1: sit in the morning on the red apple podcast network
2: i'm gonna buy i'm gonna buy your book and monday i'm gonna hold it up on the air
1: you swear i swear if you do
3: that kelly ripper you are going to make at least 50 new yorkers very
2: happy <laughs> i know i'm doing it because i'll tell you what i know how hard it is to sell a book
4: Once in your life, you find her. Someone who turns your heart around, and next thing you know, you're closing down the
3: When you get caught between the moon and New York City, best that you can do is fall in love. Not a bad way to start your Monday morning. Six oh three, in the rain, and I think it's going to rain straight to Thursday. <laughs> I mean, as said Mondays aren't depressing enough. It's going to rain three consecutive days. We'll see the sun sometime on Thursday. Good news is temperatures not all that cold, but uh, rainy, gloomy, depressing, and. One thing about the rain, where I live out in uh, Rockaway, when it rains, it's not that bad because I live by the beach, so it smells kind of nice. There is nothing worse than the smell of rain in New York City. I, I can't explain it. Maybe it's the feces on the street. Maybe it's the urine on the street. Maybe it's every three feet you walk past a homeless person who reeks. I don't know. But it stinks when it rains in the city. Plus, it's um, annoying. You can't get around. It's wet in cabs and walking, so... Anyway, that's all the depressing news. Good news is the Jets and Giants won again. And supposedly Kelly Ripper on that uh, ultra-popular show Live with Ryan Seacrest is going to hold my book up today. Don't hold your breath, I know. She has no idea what I wrote about in the book. She's going to see a, a chapter because I had the, uh, the young lady, Sarah, who works at the front here, drop off the book at uh, Kelly's office on Friday. She's going to see this uh, really nice chapter about Donald Trump. She's going to see Bill O'Reilly on the jacket cover. And there's no way she's going to hold the book up. But she did promise. She did promise she was going to hold up the book. And um, we'll see. We'll see if she does it. She was a great guest on Friday. That didn't stop a bunch of you morons, of course, from Instagramming me and Facebooking me and tweeting me. You keep doing the same thing. Not a fan. I don't care. I, don't, I couldn't care less. Well, if Bernie was here, no, I'm not going to go over the whole thing again. Um, I made all those decisions, all of them, for six years. So she was a great guest, and if she wants to come out again, she will. In fact, I'm having a guy on today that is, you talk about famous. You're talking about a guy who's one of the greatest guitarists of all time and one of the most famous bands of all time, the E Street Band. Bruce Springsteen's right-hand guy. A lot of you know him better, the younger kids, as Silvio Dante in the great show The Sopranos. He was also really terrific in a Netflix show called Lillahammer, and that's Steven Van Zandt, who goes by Little Stevie. He's coming by today, and he hates Trump with a passion. I couldn't care less. You excited to uh, hear from Little Stevie today, Lewis?
5: I couldn't care. I don't care. <laughs> no, that's that's awesome. Of course, huge that's guest. Huge love guest. Yes, great show. He's got yeah. a great, serious channel.
3: Not a fan. Not a fan. Not a fan. Not a fan. I don't
5: care. They go all. Like
3: they they <laughs> do the same. It's like talking to more. They complain <laughs> about the left. They complain about the left. And, and a lot of you folks here are more brutal than the left. More brutal because you just don't listen over and over again. So we'll have Van Zandt on today, which Lowry will stop by today. Miranda Devine, you know, the um, the White House could be in some big trouble here. Colluding, of course, it's an old story, but now it's uh, really coming to the head. Colluding with the social media companies. Now I believe that both Jen Saki and Anthony Fauci are about to be deposed because um, whether it's Google or Twitter, any one of these louses, the White House has uh, at least, according to Miranda Devine, and this case in Missouri, the White House has been caught telling these people what to and what not to publish. So this is a huge story. Plus, Miranda has not been on since Bernie passed away. Neither has Stephen Van Zandt. So I'll continue to bring on guests to say uh, goodbye to Bernard before we officially say goodbye to Bernie on Wednesday. And um, then, um, as difficult as it's going to be after Wednesday, this show is going to try to move on. The station is going to try to move on. New York is going to try to move on. And at the risk of being repetitious, he'll never be forgotten. He's, got, um, he's rented some serious space, Bernie, in my heart. And that's never going to change. Not Thursday, not 10 years from now. But eventually, like everything else, Eventually, it's just about here. You have to find a way to move forward. And I think after Wednesday's Mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral, which promises to be a beautiful ceremony, thousands and thousands of people set to hit Fifth Avenue. I mean, I'm hearing all kinds of people in the business, even Steve Summers and others, who are coming on Wednesday to pay their final respects. So we'll do that on Wednesday. And, um, of course, for Carol and... And Mel and, and Brendan, it, uh, it never goes away. Um, so that's, uh, that's the story there. We'll, we'll attempt to try to move forward on Thursday and uh, see where we go from there. But three great guests today, Miranda Devine, Rich Lowry, and Stephen Van Zandt. A lot of sports news today, obviously, the Jets, the Giants, and the Yankees. But we start with the mayor, Eric Adams, who, uh, who I saw at the Columbus Day Parade. We know this already. took a picture. Everything was great. Love you, love you, love you. Let's get together. His office contacted me twice. The last time last week, I've been uh, feeling vulnerable lately after Bernard passed away. I felt like, okay, let me give some people, if I didn't give a chance before, let me give them a chance. I'm I'm vulnerable. I'm sad. I'm morose. I lost my best buddy. Maybe it's time to stop being such a, I don't know, D word and, and give some people a chance. And I really wanted to do that with Eric Adams and, you know, his his office to get back to me once or twice, but nothing since last Tuesday. And as I said a couple of days ago, every time I see him on television, I just can't take it. I just can't take it. He had this uh, crime summit on Saturday with a bunch of douchebag DAs and judges and, you know, a bunch of people just a waste of, a waste of time and money and hope and... He told us nothing. He mentioned the word infrastructure, talking about his crime, his criminal justice system. He mentioned the word infrastructure about 10 times. He talked about the mentally ill, how, you know, they have to get to court and sometimes they can't just do it because they're mentally ill. I mean, he, he said nothing. You get this big crime summit on Saturday. We're expecting answers. And he said absolutely nothing. So if you missed it, ABC, Channel 7 locally, did a very good report on Saturday night about the big Mayor Eric Adams Crime Summit. This will be about 80 seconds long, but it's worth it. They break it all down, including the latest crime statistics right here in New York City. So this is the summary of the Mayor Eric Adams Crime Summit from Saturday, once again, courtesy of Channel 7, WABC, here in New York.
6: Wrapping up a two day summit here at Gracie Mansion. Today, Mayor Adams calling the gathering, quote, productive.
7: Unbottlenecking the criminal justice system is what both of us are, or both sides, I should say, and all that were in the room a desire
6: about 75 people including district attorneys law enforcement judges and community advocates the mayor calls the current criminal justice system antiquated topping the list of major failures he says the handling of those with mental health issues who face a judge they're
7: being let go from the court and told come back for another court appearance with no real support
6: the mayor acknowledges justice and safety are linked right now overall major crime here in the city is is up roughly 31%, a 34% increase in robberies, 15% spike in felony assaults, and 31% jump in burglaries. On the flip side, shootings are down roughly 13%, murders, 15 percent, except in the subway. To address that, officials just rolled out a plan to add more officers to trains and stations. But the mayor hopes ideas from this summit will turn things around. Another concept on the table, using technology to streamline the judicial process.
7: We can't pinpoint that something's going to be done in a month, something's going to be done in a week. But one thing's for sure, uh, I am confident that something is going to be done.
6: The mayor tells me this larger group has now split into smaller units and that there will be a part two to this summit.
7: There will be a
3: part two, once again, that was courtesy of Channel 7 here locally, WABC. So, Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly's father, the former New York police commissioner, was on with my guy, John Katz, and Matiti's great show, Sunday mornings, 8 a.m., the Katz Roundtable. That's right, Katz does two great shows. Every day, he's got Katz at night, that's 5 p.m. weeknights, and then, of course, the Katz Roundtable, 8 a.m. Sunday. So, Kelly, who we know is no fan of Eric Adams, because Adams has flat-out called Ray Kelly, Woody Giuliani, all these folks racist for their tactics. And we've heard Greg Kelly just obliterate Eric Adams about as much as I do. So no going in that Ray Kelly's got some bias here, but he says some things about the subway, for example. Well, last week, Eric Adams talked about a perception issue, and I kept yelling at Eric, stop using the word perception. It's not perception. We've got statistics that back it up, and perception is sometimes more serious than reality, and New Yorkers are scared. Here is Ray Kelly on Cats Roundtable talking about the subway issue. Lou Ruffino, this is cut number eight.
8: Transit police, to my judgment, it has to be uh, the Transit Police Bureau has to be looked at, reexamined, because when they were a separate police department, they had 4,400 police officers. Now, in the Transit Bureau, there's about 2,500. Mm. That's a major reduction. Uh, I, I would use some sort of outside entity to come in and take a look at the transit police, see what their manning levels should be, see what posts should be covered. I think they need a, a fresh look at the transit system, because we know the subways are the lifeblood of New York. People are... Still not going to get on them. You know, every day you read about a crime, and that just reinforces the notion that uh, it's too dangerous to travel on the subway.
3: He's exactly right. The subways are the bloodline here in New York City. And whether it's reality or perception, people are scared to death. Then, of course, Ray Kelly, once again, courtesy of Cat's Roundtable, 8 a.m. every Sunday morning, talks about some of the old policies that uh, they employed with him and Rudy Giuliani, the ones that kept this city safe, Eric Adams. They're not racist. They're effective. This is Ray Kelly Lewis, cut number seven.
8: We were the safest big city in America just a few years ago. So this is not brain surgery. You go back and look at the things we were doing then, and you re-implement them. But uh, apparently the mayor doesn't want doesn't to do this. Doesn't want to put back in anti-crime units. Doesn't want to uh, use the stop and frisk in a natural, normal way
3: doesn't want to put back the anti-crime unit, doesn't want to use stop and frisk. Two things that have been proven 100% to be effective here in New York City. And cops, by the way, are leaving at an alarming rate. You've read this before. It's been out here for months. 4,000 cops set to leave. A lot of these cops are leaving even before their pension kicks in. I mean, think about that. You work your whole career, your whole career, to set yourself up for retirement, and these cops are like, fine, I don't need it, I'm, I'm leaving. That's how bad it's gotten. In fact, a couple of months ago, Eric Adams did talk about the cops leaving the force, and he offered this idiotic explanation.
7: This is cut number 15. New York City Police Department is an amazing career, you know, I know it firsthand, and we're going to find young men and women who are going to want to be a member of the New York City Finest. We got an amazing recruitment campaign coming in. This is a great opportunity to diversify the department. So, no, people will always want to join the New York City Police Department. It's one of the best careers you could have in the city.
3: They're running away from it like it's on fire. He loves that word, diversified. He's got folks. a
5: handle on it. <laughs> he's got a handle. He's, he's right on
7: it. <laughs> he
3: all over it. Anyway, I don't know what's going to happen with me and him. We're going to have to continue
7: to pivot and shift. <laughs> or... Yeah, I know.
3: I <laughs> just don't think it's going to happen, bro. <laughs> I mean, I want to make it happen. I know John would like to see it happen. I know others would. But, you know, they, they don't get back to me, and then they, they see, he says something stupid, and then what am I supposed to do? Act like he didn't say it or try to sugarcoat it because... Maybe we'll have dinner at Carbone one night. I mean, I don't know what to do.
7: I mean, if you got a ninja outfit on and you're running around with a sword, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> swinging at people, I mean, something uh, is wrong.
3: Yeah, something is wrong. 1-800-848-WABC. one 800 848 Coming up this hour, the great Miranda Devine dropping a bombshell on the White House. Next hour, Bill O'Reilly's morning message and Rich Lowry in the 8 o'clock hour. Lydia reports, and yes, the great Stephen Van Zandt for Soprano and Bruce Springsteen fans. Going to be a great Monday morning show with me, Sid Rosenberg. More of Christopher Cross, author's theme, right here on a Monday morning on Talk Radio 77 WABC.
1: on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
3: at 625 on your Monday morning. The great little Stevie from the E Street Band and the Sopranos, Lily Hammer, and a ton of other stuff coming up at 840. which Lowry, 740. Miranda Devine coming up at 640, dropping a bomb on the White House. Donald Trump was out there this weekend in a couple of spots. Our friend Brian Kilmeade, who comes up after me every morning at 10 a.m. here, and as we speak, is sitting, i watching him, on television with Ainsley and... Um, Steve Ducey on Fox and Friends does his own weekend show on Saturday nights, One Nation. And I was on that show a couple of weeks ago. Let me tell you, it got great ratings. (laughs) It actually did. There was a clip of me calling Ron DeSantis and uh, Governor Abbott in Texas heroes that went viral for a week on Fox News. But uh, my rating's not nearly as good, I'm sure, as the guy on Saturday, Donald Trump. And he was on with Brian Kilmeade. And look. We are now just uh, about two years away from the presidential election. Now just 15 days away from uh, the big elections this year. The midterms, the governor race here. saw a poll this morning, forgetting about catching Kathy Hochul. Forgetting about catching her. I saw a poll this morning where Lee Zeldin was leading Kathy Hochul. We'll get more into that. But Trump was on, and... He's already talking about he's going to run. He he intimated that on Saturday again. It's the worst kept secret ever that Donald Trump is going to run again in 2024, but he made it very clear to Brian Kilmeade again Courtesy of Fox News on Saturday that if any of these other folks, guys like Mike Pence, his vice president and other other Republicans who worked alongside him or for him when he was president, if they decide to run, that's bad. That's like treason. That's being disloyal. This is Donald Trump from Kilmeade Show on Fox News on Saturday night. Cut number 12.
9: Mr. President, when will you decide if you're going to run in 2024? And how would you handle running against people in your cabinet like Pompeo, Nikki Haley, Mike Pence.
10: Well, many of them have said they would never run if I run, so we'll see whether or not that turns out to be true. I think it would be very disloyal if they did, but that's okay too. And the polls have me leading by 40, 50 points. I'm leading by a lot. Right. Uh, The other thing is, I'll probably decide in the not too distant future. We have to make this country great again. We had it great. We had energy independence. We were respected all over the world. We had low taxes. Everything that's happened, we had no inflation, right. as you know. We had we had this thing going like nobody's, like our country has never been before. But we wh- had a when would you border. decide if you're going to run?
9: Mr. When would you going to decide right? if you want to try that again?
10: We had the strongest border in history. Uh, we had all of the things. It was so beautiful. And now look at our country. Our country is a failed country. We're gotcha. we're we're really a nation in decline, <laughs> and that's a well, very sad thing.
3: I guess he's not listening to Kill I'd ask him twice. <laughs> when are you going to decide if you're going to run? I mean, look, the truth is, Brian, he's already decided he's going to run. You know, you're trying to nail a date. It's going to be sometime, and you know this, Brian, not long after the midterms. I know you wanted the exact answer because that's the news, right? Oh, Trump says on Kill Mead, January 4th of 2023, I'm going to announce... He wasn't going to give it to you. That's the bottom line. I stand corrected. That was actually Brian Kilmeade's radio show, which you heard right here on Friday morning, that Trump was on. Trump uh, did hit the stump this weekend, had a big rally in Texas, and he was talking specifically about the Wicked Witch is Dead, ding-dong, the witch is dead, talking about Nancy Pelosi, or as Bernie used to call her, I'm never a big fan of this, but he called her it the punk in the pantsuit. Nancy Pelosi's reign is about to end, according to President Trump. That's what he said in Texas this weekend. Lewis, this is cut number 13.
9: You're going to vote for an incredible slate of true America first Republicans up and down the ballot. And we are going to end crazy Nancy Pelosi. And she's nuts. She's crazy. We're going to end her political career. Her political career is going to be ended once and for all under Biden, Pelosi, Schumer, and the radical Democrat Congress. The Texas way of life is under siege. Biden and the far-left lunatics are waging war on Texas energy workers. Can you believe this? They're against oil, God, and guns. And then they say they're going to do well in
5: Texas. I don't think so.
3: So there's a very energetic Donald Trump on both Brian Kilmeade's show and at a rally in Texas. On the other hand, again, bring it up, Bernie, the imbecile in the White House, he was out there talking on MSNBC. And while Trump is talking about running again, galvanizing America, making America great again like he did last time, Joe Biden is basically in sports fans know what this is. He's playing out the string, basically and he even brought up his age yesterday and said, listen, basically, if you think I'm too old and you think I can't do this, then just 86 me. 86 me, meaning, of course, just get rid of me. That's what Joe Biden actually said on MSNBC yesterday. If you think I'm too old and I'm not getting it done, just get rid of me. You don't believe me? Take a listen. Lou, this is cut number four.
11: I, I think it's a legitimate thing to be concerned about anyone's age, including mine. I think that's totally legitimate. But I think the best way to make the judgment is to, uh, to you know, watch me. You know, watch am me. I slowing up? Am I don't have the same pace? Yes. Yes. Or, yes. You know. Uh, all that. And that old joke. You know, uh, um, ah. everybody talks about ah. the, you know, the new seventies, no. fifties, and all that stuff. What's you that? know, I. You know, it could be. <laughs> I, I'm a great respecter of fate. I could. Get a disease tomorrow. I
3: could, you know, drop dead tomorrow. Ay, ay, ay. I can get a disease tomorrow. I can get drop dead tomorrow. Then he tries to tell a joke, there was no joke, it was just a complete mess. So when he asks the question, hey, you know, you, watch me, what do you think? He really shouldn't ask that, because he's not gonna want to hear the answer from most unbiased or gender driven rational people. Joe Biden, and I hate to say this, but it is what it is, you're a mess. A no, there's mess.
11: A 16 there I've already gone in for yet and a lot
3: more to ask. Yeah. Another 20 or so. so I'm going to be going in. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's, uh, you just answered your own question, Joe. So Trump on his way back, Joe Biden on his way out. One guy that may get in Trump's way is the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. And much like the gubernatorial race here, where there's only going to be one debate because Kathy Hochul is a wussy. And that debate is coming up tomorrow night between Zeldin and Hochul on New York 1. I believe that racist idiot, Errol Lewis, will be one of the moderators. Well, tonight in the state of Florida, they've also got their only gubernatorial debate between the incumbent, Ron DeSantis, who's going to win easily, and the Democrat, Charlie Crist. So you get DeSantis, Crist in Florida tonight, and you get Zeldin Hochul here in New York tomorrow. Traffic and sports are coming up next, but right now it's time for the 77 WABC clip of the day. It's the 77 WBC clip. Listen to the Cats Roundtable with my main man, John Katz Katsimatidis, the great John Katz Katsimatidis, every Sunday morning starting at 8, telling both sides of the story. This, is what, this was a great interview on Friday. Here John talks with former Governor Andrew Cuomo about the state of New York. Police commissioner that was on this show, said to me that if we took those 3,000 people off the streets,
4: New York would be safe again.
11: Look, I think, uh, going back to what we did with Mary Dinkins, it's a 180-degree turn, right? Uh, Police, responsible police, reform-oriented police, but you need more police. And we need to be able to say, look, we are a progressive city, and we are a progressive state. And we did legalize marijuana and raise the age of criminal liability, Uh, And we believe in giving people a second chance. But you also have to keep people safe. And dangerous criminals
1: need to be
2: in jail.
1: This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness! Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77
3: WABC. Sports brought to you by my dear friend Pete Morgan, Peerless Boilers. Check them out today, PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. They do build... America's best borders. And before the good news on the football weekend, you just heard it, the Yankee season is over. Here is Justin Ellick to tell you more about
12: it. Well, thank you, Sydney And Lou Rufino, just uh, a couple of seconds ago there, brought up a good point. Don Mattingly no longer uh, in Miami, managing the Marlins. Ooh, it's very speculative, that of Lou Rufino. And it was, uh, at least this season, never meant to be for the Yanks. And if you watched any portion of their ALCS series with the Astros, you could see that. New York lost last night to the much better team, once again, as they get clean swept by their American League foes after the 6-5 loss in Game 4. As is tradition in recent years, the Yankees couldn't find an answer for Houston whatsoever. Even when they would show resilience, the Astros would answer right back to snatch back the momentum. A lot of questions need to be answered this postseason, but none more pressing than how in the world the Yankees can close the growing gap between them and Houston on the field. Here was manager Aaron Boone following the season's end. It's an awful day. An awful,
1: awful ending. It always stings. It hurts.
5: No one I'd rather do it with than those guys in there and how much... How together they are, kind of lean on each other in there, but the ending, you know, as I've said before, it's cruel.
12: Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. The Astros will face the improbable National League champs in the Philadelphia Phillies in this year's fall classic. Series will begin with game one slated for uh, sometime this upcoming Friday. Time has not been set yet. Off to, off to more uh, positive matters on the gridiron as your Jets and Giants, they just keep on winning football games. The Giants, they were out in Jacksonville to take care of the Jaguars and that they did by a score of 23-17 to move to 6-1 and one overall on the year. This time it was the Giants defense walking it off for the G-Men as a goal line stop with no time remaining, sealed the victory for New York up next for the the Giants is a trip to Seattle to face the Seahawks next Sunday. And as for the Jets, they took care of the Russell Wilson less Broncos in Denver, Denver, pulling out the 16 9 win on the road. While New York got the win, and as you heard Joe Nolan mention, the feeling is bittersweet after they lost star running back Brees Hall with a knee injury. For what looks to be like the foreseeable future, coach Robert Sala said the initial diagnosis is an ACL tear that would end the running back's sensational rookie season. Nonetheless, Jets grabbed the win, moved to 5 and 2 in the year. Good for sole possession of second place in the AFC East. Up next for them is a date at home with the Patriots come next Sunday. And on the ice, you had the Islanders to the Panthers in Florida 3-2. And the Rangers, they get walloped by the Blue Jackets at the Garden by a score of 5-1. And here with your bottom-of-the-hour sports update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. I want to rock! Bernie and Sid in the
1: morning. Whoa! On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
3: of Australia, any time the best columnist in the country, in the country, Try right, Michael Goodwin, Miranda Devine, New York Post, comes on. Louie always finds an Australian band, whether it's the church, Olivia Newton-John, air supply, this time it was crowded house. Miranda's got a new column out in today's New York Post, Fed's part in tech censoring, and it's uh, very scary, very Orwellian, if you will, and uh, Miranda has not been on. She's been busy on assignment Since Bernie passed away, and uh, Bernie loved her, too. Her and I are very, very close, but Bernie loved her, too. So here she is from the New York Post, the very talented and lovely Miranda Devine. Good morning, Miranda. How are you?
13: Good morning, Sid. Thank you for having me, and thank you for playing uh, Australian music every time I come (laughs) on. I always feel, always puts me in the mood.
3: Well, that's uh, Lou Rufino. He's a, uh, I think Rob Rob Bartlett called him, or somebody called him a musicologist, maybe McCord. And uh, he knows (laughs) all this stuff, so he figured that out. So you're welcome. Again, this is the first time you've been on with me since uh, Bernie passed away. And, you know, Bernie's not been on since July, and he was off a lot dating back to last January when he was diagnosed with cancer, obviously. But you guys still had a lot of conversations on this show. I know how much he loved you and how much you respected him.
13: Yes, and look, commiserations to you and to his family. And, I I mean, it's hard to believe that he's not there. I I know when I came back to New York, I would listen to you two in the morning and you were just, to me, the epitome of New York. And uh, especially during COVID, just listening to you and Bernie and your humor and your kind of rebellion, your refusal to just knuckle under was really uh, a sort of a beacon in the darkness for a lot of people and for me especially, I, I know. Uh, and so I'm so sorry that he's gone and um, I wish it was some other way. He's just too young for that brilliance and his intelligence and just uh, I guess he had so much more to do in life. So God has mysterious plans and I know he was an altar boy. So uh, I'm sure he's up there looking over us all now and smiling.
3: Oh, that's uh, beautifully said, Miranda. Beautifully said. He was too young. 64, big celebration for Bernie coming up Wednesday morning at 10, St. Patrick's Cathedral, a celebration of the life of my partner and friend, Bernard McGurk. Uh, that was lovely, Miranda. Thank you. So I read your uh, column in today's New York Post, Fed's part in tech censoring, and uh, we know about this, the White House colluding, of course, with big tech and Google and Facebook and all these companies, but now what looks like this case, uh, this decision in Missouri Really is going to put the White House feet to the fire. I know people like Jen Saki and Dr. Fauci are about to be deposed any day now. So, for folks are not aware of this, tell the listeners out there just how serious this may turn out for the White House.
13: Well, this is a lawsuit that's been brought uh, initially by the Attorney General of Missouri, Eric Schmidt, and then he was joined by the Attorney General of Louisiana. And, uh, and then they were joined by a group of lawyers who, one of whom I know, uh, Janine Yoon, who were, um, she was a Liberal, but then COVID and the lockdowns just red-pilled her and a lot of her fellow lawyers who realised that this was such an assault on our civil liberties. But it ended up being just the tip of the iceberg. COVID gave uh, the government and these people uh, the sort of excuse to come out of the darkness and start uh, infringing on our free speech and on our civil liberties. But they they were doing it before that. And now they've sort of turbocharged it. And it's not just over COVID. I mean, this, this lawsuit is uh, looking at basically Facebook, Twitter, and Google censoring their users and using the excuse of misinformation or disinformation, which we hear all the time, but it's about um, censoring the New York Post for our Hunter Biden laptop story in October of 2020. Uh, it's also about censoring people when they tried to talk about the origins of COVID-19. Remember, you weren't allowed to say that it came from the Wuhan lab, Uh, You had to just swallow the BS story that came from Fauci & Co, that it was natural, that it just came from a bat. Uh, And then also whether or not masks uh, were the be-all and end-all, you couldn't say that they didn't work, even though... Anthony Fauci himself had said they didn't work. And then also, of course, election integrity. So uh, the Biden administration, the government uh, authorities, the establishment colluded with big tech, uh, with Google and Facebook and Twitter to censor Americans. And that was in breach of the First Amendment. So this is the first a big lawsuit to actually bring these people and these authorities to account. And they are suing uh, 67 different officials or agencies, including the FBI, which, as you know, um, pressured Facebook to censor the New York Post, basically.
3: Right. uh, Money involved in that deal, too, not just pressure. Miranda Devine, again, today's column, the New York Post, Fed's part in tech censoring. You also mentioned, Miranda, in this uh, terrific column, which you should all read It is scary, like I said, Orwellian, if you will. Pfizer's involvement, what is that major pharmaceutical company doing in this story?
13: Yes, well, uh, there's another lawsuit, and this is a real David versus Goliath lawsuit against big tech, and that's by the former New York Times journalist and novelist Alex Berenson. And he actually had a win against Twitter uh, a while ago, and they had to reinstate him. He found evidence that... uh, the, the Biden administration had specifically asked that he be deplatformed, and then Twitter did it after the president came out and said that social media companies were killing people by allowing vaccine hesitancy. Uh, but then he discovered with his legal uh, cases that um, actually a guy who had been um, the head of the F- FDA but also is a current member of the Pfizer board, Scott Gottlieb, he was the one who got Twitter to throw him off Facebook by complaining about some tweets that he'd made about Anthony Fauci, which were not terrible. He just said what everyone thinks about Anthony Fauci. He said he was arrogant. And he said that, that when Fauci said attacks on me or attacks on sides, that that was a joke. He mocked him for it. Well, Gottlieb, uh, of course, is a member of the Pfizer board, gets paid, almost $400,000 a year for it. And his role in Alex Berenson's deplatforming platforming has come out, so Berenson is now suing him. But also, it just so happened that when I'm writing this column yesterday, CBS had got Gottlieb on to on face the nation, and he was talking about um, your false claims about uh, COVID vaccines being mandated for children. Well, it's not clear from what he said that it's false, Um, But CBS never disclosed that Gottlieb is a member of Pfizer's board. And, of course, Pfizer is a big advertiser at CBS. So maybe that's why.
3: You know, I find interesting, too, this weekend, besides uh, this column and this story and all that great work that you've done, as always, Miranda, that's why you're the best in the business, was this Joe Biden conversation on MSNBC. He actually fell asleep. Folks, I'm not kidding you very reminiscent of Mike Brancessa and Sweeney Murty. He actually fell asleep during the interview. And then when he was pressed about his age and moving forward, he offered this, I could drop dead tomorrow. I understand why some of you folks are worried about my age. Not exactly a defense, Joe Biden, if he's really considering running again, which I know is not going to happen, it's ridiculous. But if he is considering it, to fall asleep during an interview and then tell folks, hey, listen, I could drop dead tomorrow. Not exactly a strong defense, Miranda, from (laughs) Joe Biden. No, uh,
13: that that was just an insane interview. The interviewer, this guy, Jonathan Capehart from MSNBC, was just embarrassing. (laughs) Not just toting up to Joe Biden, so groveling. The most grovelling interview yet, and that's saying something because uh, any time Joe Biden will only allow himself to be interviewed on the rare occasions he does do a long interview by people that he knows won't ask tough questions. But this took the cake. And when he fell asleep in the middle of it, well, I mean, it was obvious. His eyes are shut. Yeah, He's yeah. just... And then you can hear K. Part go, Mr President. And then they cut something. And God knows what they cut. Who knows how long it took? Did they give Joe Biden a shot of something? Did they give him a cup of coffee? Who knows what <laughs> happened? But they covered it up for him. Oh, and look, I can't really blame him for falling asleep because there was nothing for him to do in that interview except just sit there and, and listen. I mean, Capehart did all the work for him. And, and you know, it, it, the whole interview was like a cup of coffee, a cup of cocoa, warm bath, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Why would you stay awake it's meant to make him
3: fall asleep? I got you. He's falling asleep. The other guy, Donald Trump, is at a rally in Texas on Saturday night, once again, whooping up the crowd and looking as young as ever. So that's, that's coming up in 2024, maybe. <laughs> but now we're just 15 days away, Miranda, from all these big midterm elections and a big one right here, the governor race. There was a poll this weekend. Forgetting about catching Kathy Hochul. There was a poll this weekend that had Lee Zeldin ahead of Kathy Hochul and lots of smart people like you that come on the show are saying, I think Lee Zelton's going to win. What do you think two weeks out?
13: Oh, I do. I mean, the momentum is with him. Uh, he's been working quietly behind the scenes. He's the little engine that could um, for two years on this. And I think he's taken Kathy Hochul by surprise. She is now panicking. You can see it with this absolutely bogus new uh, kind of subway you know, cop surge, pretending that she's all being tough on crime. I mean, she doesn't even... Even when she's pretending to be tough on crime, she doesn't actually say anything (laughs) worthwhile. She doesn't really seem to get it. She's so hopeless. Uh, And I think that New Yorkers, uh, are certainly outside of of the city, um, they are definitely... On his side, and they're definitely sick of the crime and the disorder and the way the city is just going downhill. And all our taxes, um, you know, some of the highest taxes in the country, are going for nothing. You know, there's homeless people everywhere on the on the streets. There, in more they have, there's more mentally ill than ever. And yet, where's all that money going? I mean, she is. Just a shocker. She's worse than Cuomo, at least with Cuomo. Yep. I don't know. He, he seemed like a villain. She pretends to be this little goody two-shoes. That's right. She's, she's as corrupt as he is. And anyway, Zeldin is just so good, and he just seems to get better every day. Has not taken a, a wrong step. You know, that
3: uh, comparison he made between Hokel and Cuomo, You could almost make the same one between Adams and de Blasio. We knew de Blasio was a waste yeah. and half stone and didn't care. <laughs> Adams, like Hochul, you know, he says some things that are okay. He does absolutely nothing. He was with her with that ridiculous crime summit and the subway stop. And the two of them, uh, they, they just do nothing. I mean, that's quite a one-two punch. You know, last one, I know you pay attention to this stuff, and that is this this what's going on in the U.K. Uh, after just 44 days, Miranda Liz Truss quit last week. Everything's a mess. The economy's a mess. And, here comes Boris Johnson, maybe back to the rescue. Now he has said, I'm not going to do it. He's not going to run. Any thoughts on what's going on in the UK?
13: Well, I, look, what a mess. Who knows what they're going to do? And uh, I, I feel like this is just symptomatic of the problem that we have across the West. Uh, where is there a, a leader that anybody can look up to? There's just a dearth of leadership. Uh, you know, the boomers failed us. And and then I guess the young boomers or the the, the beginning of Gen X is failing us. Uh, Boris Johnson was a huge disappointment. Liz Truss just blew herself up, and um, I, I don't I don't really understand why the UK is having such a problem, other than it's the exact same the mirror effect of what happened in Australia, and uh, it's it's conservative parties that don't know who they are that don't know how to deal with woke, don't believe in anything, uh, and just lose the trust of the people. That sounds familiar. You're right.
3: (laughs) Well, this is a a great column in today's New York Post. I'm telling you, folks, you need to read this, this uh, whole uh, battle here. Uh, the White House and uh, Big Tech. Feds part in tech censoring. Miranda Devine, thank you for sharing some Bernie memories. Thank you for talking about this wonderful column and so many other things. You're always an amazing guest, and I love you. Thank you so much, Miranda Devine.
13: Thank you, Steve. Great to be with you.
3: You too. Miranda Devine, check her out on page 11. Eh, maybe it's 13. It's page 13 in today's New York Post. Miranda Devine, Feds part in tech censoring. Getting going strong on this Monday morning, still to come. Rich Larry coming up at 7.40, and then the man himself, Little Stevie from Bruce Springsteen's East Street Band. He was also Silvio Dante on The Sopranos, a major superstar, Stephen Van Zandt, coming up at 8.40 this morning. All that on this Monday edition right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC.
14: Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie
1: and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
4: I found God on the corner of First and Amistad, where the West was all but one. All alone, smoking his last cigarette. I said, where you been? He said, ask anything. Where were you when everything was
10: 7:07. 7
3: your rainy Monday morning. I'll tell you about what happened to me this morning. It's becoming regular, which is not good. So my man, Freddie, Freddie, Ricky, Freddie, drives me to work every morning. He's like family at this point. You know, he's like Bitterman. He's like Brant was to Imus, except um, we don't drive in a limo. I don't make millions and millions of dollars yet. And he doesn't wear a, of like a black hat when he drives me. Otherwise, he's uh, that guy. And every morning, I can count on him to be sitting outside my house and get me to work safely. Except for, of course, when you break down and that type of thing. So he, um, he drops me up at the office this morning. I say goodbye. He says goodbye. And then, as I exit the vehicle, he says, and I quote, be safe. I don't remember Freddie ever saying that to me before. Then I enter the building here on 3rd Avenue, and you got that guy downstairs. He works overnights. He works the front door. He's a yep. great guy. Yep. You know good. his name? I don't. Neither do I, but he's a super guy. Yeah, very nice guy. Very nice. And he always says good morning, and he said good morning, and I said happy Monday. And he said to me, and I quote, be safe. Two gentlemen, circa 5 a.m. this morning, who ended both Short conversations with, be safe. And why is that? That's because any given moment, any given day, especially in this hellhole, we call New York City. Some of us used to call home. You can be maimed, killed, murdered, I mean, any, any of that. Freddie and the guy downstairs both said, be safe. So tomorrow night on New York One, even though that racist jerk-off, I'm sorry, Margo. Errol Lewis is moderating it. You have the big debate between Lee Zeldin and Kathy Hochul. That brings me to Saturday. I didn't see you, Lewis, but in my neighborhood on Saturday, they had something they do annually called Freedom Fest. And all the local bars on 129 have live music and food, and it's a very patriotic kind of cool day. I was there. No, you weren't. You weren't even close to being there. How do you know? Why weren't you there? What I were you doing there. on Saturday? No, you were not. What were you doing on Saturday afternoon you? that you couldn't go fifty blocks and enjoy uh, with great Americans this uh, this beautiful day?
5: I had this back shirt oh, well, that yeah. uh, had the American flag and yeah. it said uh, yeah, "Live free or die." <laughs> right, right. Actually, in the front says "Drink or die." <laughs> right. <laughs>
3: Uh, that's you, all right.
5: <laughs> so, so I'd rather drink. I don't
3: blame you. Well, all day they drank there. I mean, it started at one place, Cali's. Then it went to, like, uh, Pico. Then it went to Jameson's Bar. It was an all-day, all-night, basically drunk fest. They had live music. But the part that mattered to me was my friend Paul King, who was running against Gregory Meeks in Queens, his uh, beautiful wife, Margaret Powers, they were there. And uh, Margaret reached out to me, so I made that long walk over to Cali's. It was a beautiful day, too. Beautiful day, and there were like hundreds of people at Cali's. Terrence Mullen, Chris Mullen's brother, there, and Tommy and the whole crew, and they had these uh, two piano players, dueling piano players, and they were good. They were fine. They sang all the songs you like, you know. But they were so annoying, and they didn't know who I was. And that really aggravated
5: <laughs> <That>, me. <laughs> well, now we know why they were annoying.
3: Right. So. So uh, they walk over, and they go, listen, Sid wants to say a couple of words. They're like, who? You don't, they're like, you don't understand. we got Brian Adams this set. We've got Neil Diamond this set. We, we don't want to stop. What do you mean? Who's this guy who wants to talk? I'm like, you're kidding me, right? So that's <laughs> swear to God. got. So, and Paul King is standing there. He's running for office. You know, everybody's chanting Paul King. These two idiots are so concerned about their stupid music. Then it comes time to, I need a microphone. So the lead guy is like, well, I was just sick. Not a good idea to use my mic. Fine. The guy sitting next to him, that putts. I go, what about you? I'm sick, too. I swear to God. I go, guys, I need a microphone. Figure it out. (laughs) So finally, the the, the lead, I guess, of this uh, two-man piano band, these idiots, they find one microphone, and they get on the mic, and, you know, I'm yelling and screaming, Election Day is coming up in 17 days, and Paul King is the right guy, and Tom Sullivan, he's the right guy, and my friend Lee Zeldin is coming later. And then uh, Paul King took the mic, and he was very good. He was great. They gave us about four minutes. <laughs> and then they kind of rushed us off, and the next thing you know, here we are again, summer of 69, Brian Adams.
5: Oh, finally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get him off.
3: So my wife is getting her nails done at the, the nail place, about uh, five stores down from uh, Cali's. And I couldn't wait to get the hell out of there after that. And they end up going to Jameson's. I met the owner, Eric. He's a super, super guy. Mike Sullivan, Mr. Brennan and Carr, and Brian Mullen made their way over and we had a nice lunch. Sullivan, uh, uh, Mullen, Eric, the owner, me and Dan- Danielle came to it after she got her nails done. And they had college football on and the baseball games on. And Eric was very, very nice. And we had a great lunch there. And then eventually I went home. But Lee Zeldin showed up. Zeldin came into that neighborhood about 6.30 on Saturday night. He was at a, an event in Whitestone, which he hosted. Andrew Giuliani was there. He showed up in the neighborhood about 6.30, Lewis Saturday night. I think he went straight to Jameson's.
5: At ninth. That's where he yeah, went. Yeah, one twenty nine. Okay.
3: So he sends me a text, Lee Zeldin. It was great. I hope I still have it here. Because I had spoken to him earlier in the day, and I said, listen, if you come to my neighborhood early enough, I'll introduce you. But he said, well, I'm not coming until 6 o'clock at night. I'm like, I'm done by that point. Because I went to uh, Lenny's in Howard Beach. Which is a great Italian restaurant.
5: That's that is unbelievable because I that is actually where I went to get takeout. Saturday night? Yeah. Stop it. Well MJ's six, so I we needed food, so that's really what was going on. Did you Saturday. go in there or they I delivered it? I no, they I, I didn't even know they did deliver. Oh, I don't know either. No. Well they're not gonna deliver down to Rockaway, I don't think. That's far. Isn't oh, you're it? probably right, yeah. No, so I drove up there and it was about uh- what time? right before the game, right before the Yankee oh, game. Okay. So I got I, there like, four, I went 4-15 or something.
3: Right, I got there much later. Sat ah. at the bar top by the bar, me and Danielle, and uh, had Wendy's some of the, great, yeah. oh my God, Lewis, the best Fad Diablo sauce ever, ever. So he texts me this, Lee, he goes, we were there from 6.30 to 7-ish, lots of support in your area, Wow. With a, bu- with a bunch of exclamation points. There's,
5: there are Lee Zeldin signs all through Bell Harbor and Rockaway. All the lawns. All the lawns have Lee yep. Zeldin. For Lee governor. Zeldin. I've seen them.
3: Paul King, Good. Tom Sullivan, those three guys specifically. But I said to Lee, I said, your name is on just about every lawn. Because guys were saying, but why is he coming here? He's got this area wrapped up. He needs to go further down in the Rockaways. You yeah, know, he, like,
5: he's got to go down to far, right? Right. Yes right and and help that area and tell let them know he's he's going to be there because that area gets forgotten all the time actually rock and and the rockway and far rockway that's why they got these issues Yep, and that's why the police won't go to you know you, you see them staggered down there but if you if Lee Zeldin hits that area you know it's, it, it could really help
3: well, to his credit, he has been out there everywhere. You remember when uh, Governor Pataki came on this show about six weeks ago, and he was critical of Lee. He's like, look, this guy needs to be everywhere because Kathy Hochul goes nowhere. Hochul is doing kind of what like Joe Biden did when he beat Trump. Now, they cheated, of course. We know that. Maybe in more than one, in more, more than one way. Sorry, Anthony Weiner, they cheated. I love Anthony, but don't be so stupid. I don't even love Anthony. I take that back. Don't be so stupid. But, um, (laughs) you know, uh, Biden didn't do anything. He stayed in his basement, and he won. Hochul does nothing. Lee has been everywhere. Shows up at subway stations, and if there's a crime, to Lee Zeldin's credit, he's there. In fact, let me play this cut from Lee Zeldin. This was during a press gaggle on the street again. He goes after Kathy Hochul. This is cut 14, Lewis. And this is Lee Zeldin out in the street. Kathy Hochul. She's at home.
5: There are a lot of places inside of the city where you don't see Kathy Hochul, where you wouldn't see her. She'll fly over it. She'll drive past it. She'll ride around
7: it.
3: Yeah, she'll drive past it, fly over it, ride around it, but she ain't going to be there. So tomorrow is the big debate I mentioned earlier. Tonight in the state of Florida, you've got the one— gubernatorial debate that one is not up for debate ron desantis is going to shellac charlie christ but their debate is tonight and tomorrow night with the racist Errol lewis new york one spectrum lee zeldin who's going to win and in one poll yesterday actually came all the way back and took the lead over kathy Hokel. He's going to win too.
5: What was that, Louie? What did I say? Something? No, I, I, I'm just hoping you're right about what Lee Zeldin is doing. So I'm praying. Yeah, he's
3: going to win. Okay. He's, uh, he's got all the momentum. She's got nothing, and New Yorkers are sick and tired of it. Democrats, Republicans, Independents, nobody wants to feel unsafe. And Eric Adams and Kathy Hochul can talk till they're blue in the face. They can design all these stupid programs. Subway safety. They can have all the crime summits they want. Invite all these losers to sit there and come up with all these different reasons why it's going to work. Technology, blah, blah, blah. Ain't nothing changing. Yes, murders are down. Yes, they're seizing guns. But crime overall skyrocketing and people are scared to death. That's the bottom line. I would never want to be in charge of a city, mayor, governor of the state, where people are literally scared to death that eric adams is not a perception that is a reality 1-800-848-WABC 1-800-848-9222 bill o'reilly's morning message is coming up next man you get from not review always a great monday morning conversation Which Larry coming up at seven forty? all that leading up to the great stephen van zandt Bruce Springsteen's East Street Band, and of course, one of the stars of The Sopranos, Little Stevie, coming up at 8.40. All that right here on the Monday edition on Talk Radio 77, WABC.
14: Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update morning edition. On this Monday, it looks like the people who market turkeys for Thanksgiving, are price gouging. The cost of the average bird is up about 70% over last year. Why? There are plenty of fowl running around the USA, so I sense fowl play here. Price gouging in the age of runaway inflation. I can't prove it, but again, the turkey population is booming. The sad truth is that some businesses are exploiting the inflation situation. They know the folks can't keep score on many of the things they need. For Halloween, for example, some candy makers are charging more even while shrinking the packages of candy. Soon it will be two musketeers. So American consumers are under siege from all sides. A befuddled president callous companies taking advantage of inflation and an apathetic press which rarely covers bread and butter issues. Like turkeys, there is plenty of sugar available in the USA. So why the candy gouge? Because they can. No one is watching them. The federal government doesn't watch anything other than people paying taxes. You don't do that, you're going to get it. Otherwise, it's a free fire zone. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis
1: later on. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
3: Whoa. Four-yard loss, opening drive, Giants. uh, Second down, going deep. Daniel Jones, did he catch it? Darius Slayton has a giant
5: touchdown. But a win for Denver? They feel like they're right back in this thing. Second snap for Denzel Mims, he's in there. They go to the run game. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall.
9: He's done it again lightning 62 yards for the touchdown
3: Springsteen, brilliant disguise. Little Stevie from Bruce's E Street Band. Silvio Dante of the Sopranos. Steven Van Zandt set to join me at 840 this morning. Which Larry coming up next. Those are the highlights from another weekend where the Jets and Giants both won. This is becoming regular. That's insane. I mean, the Giant expectations this year were seven wins, maybe. The Jets, maybe about the same. And the Giants are 6-1, only the Philadelphia Eagles who are 6-0 and enjoyed an off- a bye week this week, have a better record in all of the National Football League, and the Jets have won four in a row, and they're 5-2 and two in sole possession of second place behind the below Bills in the AFC East. It's just unbelievable. I mean, the Giants were losing to Jacksonville yesterday, down 17-13 Jacksonville, deep in Giant territory. And I got to tell you, I thought the Giants were going to win. That is years for me years even the end of Eli Manning I thought every time they played they were going to lose and they did every time I had zero confidence the Giants can come back and win they're the cardiac kids forget about Brian Sipe and the Cleveland Browns the football Giants are the cardiac kids they find ways every week to win games inside the fourth quarter Brian Dable you just can't say enough People always ask all the time, of all the major sports, where does coaching matter the most? It's not even close, football. Not even close. You can scheme your way to a win. Even a young Tom Brady and the Patriots under Belichick found a way to beat Mike Martz and the Rams. That amazing offense. Baseball, you put out a lineup. You can go from Joe Torre, the worst manager in baseball, to a Hall of Famer overnight. Phil Jackson won with the Lakers, couldn't win with the Knicks. But football, you can scheme your way to a win. And this guy, Dayball, has figured something out. And I have to tell you, Gettleman, the embattled giant uh, GM who was fired after last season, replaced by the guy Shane from Buffalo. The more you look back now at Gettleman's reign, he was the guy that brought in Daniel Jones. I'm not saying Daniel Jones is the next Phil Sims Rely Manning. It's been seven games after a couple of rocky years at best, injuries, losses, But he did bring him in, and I believe Saquon Barkley, too. And Barkley this year, you can make the argument, has been the best player in the National Football League, and again, over 100 yards yesterday. So what's going on with the Giants is somewhat amazing. Now they'll go to Seattle next week. But what a year for Geno Smith. Are you seeing these numbers? Completing over 70% of his passes? Scoring a ton of points every week? They blew out the Chargers in Los Angeles yesterday? The Seahawks lost Russell Wilson to Denver, end up playing Geno Smith, who the Jets drafted. And it was Geno, you may remember, he was the guy that broke Eli Manning's starting streak for the Giants. When Ben McAdoo elected to play Geno Smith instead of Eli against the Oakland Raiders many years ago, he's having an unbelievable season. And now the Giants go to Seattle next week to take on their own friend Geno Smith, their old friend, looking to improve to 7-1 and one. An amazing season for the Giants. The Jets, same thing. I remember Brandon Tierney, my been at WFAN, him and Barber, just going off on Seller when the Jets were 1-2 and two and looking awful at 1-2. They haven't lost since. Now, Brees Hall, I played that highlight, that long touchdown run yesterday. He ripped his knee, I think, apart. I think it's really bad. I think he's going to be done for the year with a torn ACL. And um, I disagree with Joe Nolan. It is a devastating injury. Not, not so b- devastating, because he's become the offense for the Jets. Zach Wilson is not beating anybody yet. Their defense is going to have to keep him in games, but Hall makes big plays every week. It's devastating. He's going to be out for the season, likely. Now, you, now Zach Wilson has to beat teams. Good luck with that. But they're 5-2, and two, and uh, next week they take on the Patriots, Pats will host the Bears tonight. They've won two straight with some kid named Blaine Zappi at quarterback. That's right, Blaine Zappi, although Mac Jones may be back tonight. Jets and Patriots next week, and the Jets look to move to 6-2. and two. I will tell you this, two guys, they need to call it quits. Tom Brady, it's over. Done. He never should have come back this year. Never. Won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, had a great year last year. In fact, for most of the year, he was the MVP favorite. They lost in the playoffs to a Ram team that won the Super Bowl. He should have called it quits. And now his marriage is a mess. And according to all of the entertainment magazines, it's about to get very ugly in the press. And there's stuff out there about Tom Brady that ain't great. So he can't win a football game. You get blown out by the Panthers? The Panthers? They traded Christian McCaffrey last week. They traded Robbie Anderson last week. P.J. Walker was their quarterback. Not Sam Donald or Baker Mayfield. And you lose by 18 to Carolina. Tom Brady, now three and four. Should have called it quits. Matt Ryan, too. The Colts got the Atlanta Falcon, great Matt Ryan. They think he's going to be their next big-time veteran quarterback. He stinks. He is an interception or a fumble waiting to happen. Every week this guy throws a pick six. And they got swept by Tennessee now. In that season series, he played awful again yesterday, and they lost 19-10 on the road. So the Giants are an amazing story. The Jets are an amazing story. And veteran great quarterbacks like Tom Brady and Matt Ryan, that's getting very ugly. Time to go home.
10: Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good,
1: great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning. and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Whoa.
11: I think it's a legitimate thing to be concerned about anyone's age including mine I think that's totally legitimate But I think the best way to make the judgment is to uh, to you know watch me you know am I slowing up am I don't have the same pace or you know uh, and that old joke you know uh, um, everybody talks about the you know the new 70s 50s and all that stuff. You know, I, you know, it could be, I, I'm a great respecter of faith. I could get a disease tomorrow. I could, you know, drop dead tomorrow.
9: I took her out. It was a Friday night.
3: Well, that's promising. When the President of the United States does an interview on MSNBC and when asked about his health and how he's doing, he says, I understand why, you know, well, you think I'm old or. And look, let's be honest, I can get a disease, I can drop dead tomorrow. That same interview, mind you, he fell asleep right in the middle of it. I mean, the eyes were shut. He didn't go as far as uh, snoring like Francesca did with Sweeney Murray, but he was asleep. And the President of the United States, who's actually talked about possibly running again, he's not going to do it, we know that, but he's talked about it. Actually, said yesterday, I understand the concern over my age, and hey, I can get a disease and drop dead tomorrow. (laughs) I mean, Rich Lowry, the editor of the National Review, political NBC, a tremendous Monday morning guest on this show, said to join me. Rich, you heard that. You saw that. That was, I know it's crazy to say it's unbelievable because we said a lot about Joe Biden, but that was unbelievable.
15: No? It must be the first time in the history of the United States a president has publicly said, I could get a disease. (laughs) Thanks, thanks, Mr. President.
3: Uh, by, I mean, he's already got one disease, that uh, Trump derangement uh, disorder. Yeah. That's one disease. <laughs> but on a serious note, I mean, he, he didn't instill any confidence in the American people, that A, he's okay, B, he can combat any of his issues, and C, he could ever run again. None of it. Yeah,
15: that no, was a, a, a mumbly, wandering answer to a question of, of uh, whether he's up for the job. And I think basically in, uh, a, after um, November 11th, he becomes, in effect, a lame duck. I mean, everyone will know he's not going to run again. He's not going to have the majorities, I think, either in the House or the Senate. And he's going to be dead in the water, and, the, and then the you know, hunger games begin. Um, whether it's Kamala or, or Pete or, or Gavin or, or whatever, and how they actually push this this guy aside or he decides to step aside on his own. It'll be, it'll be fascinating to watch. Not good for the country.
3: The other guy, Donald Trump, uh, intimated this weekend on Saturday. He's going to do it again. He actually said to Brian Kilmeade on Friday, if you're Pence or any one of these folks who served for him and worked with him and you even consider running, forget about it. That's basically treason. That's disloyal. Don't even think about it. But the bigger question for Trump is right now, not when is he going to announce he's going to run, because he's going to run. What do you think he does with the January 6th subpoena? Do you think, A, he complies? Do you think, B, he tries to negotiate? What do you think, C, he says, F you, I'm not doing anything about it?
15: The the latter he's he's not, not going to show up there and and it's going to go away. I mean in in January they no longer have the um, majority, so he he can just string it out. So that that was all symbolism. The January sixth committee didn't know how to try to end with a bang, so they they did this ridiculous subpoena that's going nowhere.
3: So you do think it's the last of the three? He's not going to do anything with it.
15: No, I mean, it, w- it would be amazing, right, if he just said, yeah, I- I'm showing up tomorrow and le- let's do this thing. Um, that would be great theater. But he- he's not going to do that. And it- they're-, they're not going to be able to enforce it against him. And it's, it's going away because the, the um, Democrats will no longer be in charge, you know, and they'll- they'll either won't be a January 6th committee um, come January or it'll be repurposed to something else.
3: So when do you think he will? Because, again, he-, he wouldn't answer Brian Kilmead if I asked you the same question, which I will now. When do you think he will announce he's running officially?
15: um I don't know I don't know what's best for his interest in terms of whether he goes first and tries to just box everyone out and you know say you're you're, you're a trader I'm going to destroy you if you get in or if he kind of waits and tries to freeze um, the field and um, uh, you know, have everyone wait to see what he's doing, and then he can afford to wait much longer. It's not like he needs to get a national campaign up and going. He can do it in 12 hours, six hours, immediately, really. Um, but his his interest is actually to have as big a field as possible, um, just to to fragment the rest of the vote and to ensure. You know, he's at 49 now. Um, if he's at 49, you know, and uh, Um, early 2024, he's just sweeping everything. It doesn't matter. But if he loses some altitude, you know, gets down to to 40 or something, it it helps to have – you don't want to be running against just one or two alternatives. You want to be running against a big field. Let's talk about the rest of
3: these races. I did see a lot of John Fetterman this weekend talking once again about his medical records. Uh, I did not see a lot of Herschel Walker this weekend, but uh, some Arizona stuff came out, obviously. Uh, Lake was talking this weekend, too. Uh, give me uh, your opinion on some of these other races, the Senate races, specifically around the country.
15: Well, it's looking much better than it than it did, and I, you know, I, I'm not. This is not what I'm predicting, but you could see a scenario where Republicans pick up fifty three, fifty four seats. Now that they're still all real close, but we had Oz finally uh, the first poll where he hasn't been trailing. He was tied. which was just a sign where that that race is. Is heading that one's a toss-up. By the way, do
3: you think that's more of Dr. Oz doing a good job, or more likely an indictment of this phenomenon
15: <laughs> I think it's both. You know, I think Oz—he's not the guy I would have picked to run for Senate in Pennsylvania. You know, a in a working-class state, you're going to run a uh, a celebrity doctor who's a, a Turkish citizen, right? It, th- that doesn't make any sense. But <laughs> and who lives in New Jersey, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's worked really hard. He's a learner. Uh, his campaign staff is good, um, and and he real he's realized that it, it's not about him. It's about Fetterman. It's about dragging Fetterman down, and then Fetterman has all these vulnerabilities on crime, on other issues, and obviously on his. Um, uh, health state. So, assuming Federman shows up Tuesday, I think that debate is Tuesday. That it's just the the stakes of that one will be enormous. Herschel, you know, I think there's no way you got to get to 50 to get a, uh, avoid a runoff in Georgia. I don't think there's any way, even if Warnock's ahead on election night, that Warnock gets to 50 with Kemp. You know, Kemp's going to stomp Stacey Abrams. Um, and I, I do think there's an outside chance that maybe Herschel will be ahead and get to 50, but I think that one's probably heading to a runoff. Wisconsin's looking good. That's a hold they need. Uh, Nevada's looking good. That's a pickup. And then, you know, you get the reach states, um, slight reach states like Arizona, where where Kerry Lake – you know, um, said I try to be accountable as a pundit and admit where I'm r- wrong. I thought she was a, you know, Republican Party of Arizona was writing a suicide note by nominating her. <laughs> Turns out to be a, a just a star. Yep. <laughs> just, yep. She's yep. gonna be a star for years. Yep. I mean she is a practice performer. She's unflappable. She's attractive. She's uh, uh, canny. She, um, now it's still a close race, but I think she's going to win and she might help get Blake Masters over the top there.
3: This is where uh, Sid Rosenberg admits his uh,
15: flaws <laughs> All I heard about was she's attractive. That's
3: all I heard about. Uh, <laughs> Tulsi Gabbard, <laughs> Christie, Nome, give me some lake. Uh, and all those things do matter, by the way. Uh, tonight there'll be a gubernatorial debate down in the state of Florida between Ron DeSantis. He's going to wipe out Charlie Crist. Yep. But they've got a debate tonight. But here in New York tomorrow night, New York Spectrum 1, I guess that idiot Errol Lewis will moderate it. You've got the one and only debate between our friend Lee Zeldin and public enemy number one in New York Kathy Hochul, this is the only one she would do. And I saw a poll yesterday that actually had not Zeldin catching up, but Zeldin leading in that race. What do you think?
15: Yep. So, you know, I wouldn't say he's ahead necessarily. You got to look at the averages, but it's definitely closing. That's the first public poll we've seen with him ahead, and another debate, just huge stakes. And you know, he's got a very good case to make. She has zero case to make. The uh, crime continues in New York. They're doing this symbolic thing of a bunch of new cops on the subway. Not symbolic. I mean, that's important, but they're only doing it because she's in danger of losing. So, if it's a big Republican night, he he could easily could get over the top.
3: All right, so would you go as far as saying right now you think he's going to win? Are you not there yet, not yet. Not, not there yet, but no. I've, I've been steadily getting closer,
15: Sid. You've been working me closer and closer.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I keep throwing the body punches, you know, Rick. Right? So <laughs> staying away from the head right now. Uh, on a very depressing note, although very, very, very predictable, your baseball season is over, and a lot of Yankee fans are like, we got to get rid of everybody. Fire Boone, get rid of even Judge Epham, 62. He strikes out every bat in the postseason. <laughs> and they're going crazy this morning. Look, Houston's better. They've been better for a long time. I'm not sure Boone could have figured out a way to beat these guys. Maybe that's on Cashman. I guess it is. He, uh, you know, uh, constructed the team. What are your thoughts on the Yankees moving ahead, knowing you just can't beat Houston, can't beat them?
15: Yeah, so I, I did not watch last night. I went to bed early. I knew what was going to happen. I, I didn't think necessarily they'd lose um, uh, last night, but they, they would they would lose, you know, in five, if, even if they got got past game four. So, yeah, they're just not as good. I think maybe if they're entirely healthy, they they have a shot you know if they i mean they 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 lost a lost an, uh, enough relievers to stock like one or two really good bullpens just for the guys yeah. who were down and then they could have used Benetetti and LeMay who could make some more contact but still i think even that then the astros are just better um, it's depressing. You know, we, we've actually lost ground since 2017. We right.
3: <laughs> really have. Yeah, it's true. Uh, but it uh, should be a very exciting World Series between the Phillies and the Astros, which nobody's going to watch. Uh, yeah. Anyway, no <laughs> <laughs> so Phillies. Yeah, I know, right? The, how, about, how about they fire Joe Girardi? The last time the Yankees won a World Series, you have to go back 13 years ago to 2009, Joe Girardi was the manager. Joe Girardi started this season as the manager of the Phillies. He was god awful. They fired him and haven't lost a game since.
15: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's amazing. But, you know, you have power in pitching the way the Phillies do, and uh, it it can happen. And the Yankees have power. It just uh, they just can't hit the Astros.
3: No, they hit like a 180 for the series, which is ridiculous. Uh, You hit 400 this morning, Rich, and you always do. You are the Ty Cobb of Monday morning (laughs) (laughs) radio. Thank you so much for the great appearance. Thank Thank you, you, Rich. All right. My friend, Rich Lowry, National Review, of course, Politico, NBC, a great Monday morning guest here on Bernie and Sid that uh, basically wraps up the first two hours of the show with two great appearances by Miranda Devine and which Lowry still to come again folks it's a big one little Stevie Bruce Springsteen of the E Street Band he also played Silvio Dante in The Sopranos he's got two great music stations on Sirius XM had that great hit Lilyhammer as well on Netflix my dear friend Stephen Van Zandt coming by at 840 Litter reports coming up at eight twenty-five. Lots more to do. The second half of the Monday edition of Bernie and Sid comes your way right after this.
4: <laughs>
1: Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
2: Sid, I'm going to buy. You, I'm going to buy your book, and Monday I'm going to hold it up on the air.
3: You swear? I swear. If you do that, Kelly Ripper, you are going to make at least 50 New Yorkers very happy.
2: (laughs) I know I'm doing it because I'll tell you what. I know how hard it is to sell a book.
3: Kelly Rip on this show on Friday, and um, well, I wanted uh, one of my um, minions to put that show on. It starts at nine o'clock on Channel Seven, live with Kelly and Seacrest. But I was told we're not allowed to change. What do you mean we're not allowed to change? Are never not allowed to change the channel? What Are you nuts?
5: <laughs> That's something I heard about a long time. That can't while be. That
3: though. can't be right. That well, cannot be right. We don't have the ability to change. What do you mean? Have the ability? I don't. What am I missing here? We don't have a remote control? That, well, that's part of it, okay. yes. That's Can you do it part. manually? I just want to do it for an hour. I'll, I'll put back. I, I was... mean, we've got CNN. <laughs> oh, God, why that's on, I have no idea. <laughs> MSNBC, that's even worse. And Fox News. And then inside the studio, we've got Fox Business. But when you've got a show of that magnitude, and I don't care how many idiots on Instagram tell me they're not a fan. It doesn't matter to me. When you've got a show of that magnitude, millions and millions of people watch that show, and you've got a host that promises to put my book up that it needs to be on in studio, not uh, Al Sharpton sitting here talking about <laughs> voters are fired up ahead of midterm elections. Damn it!
5: What are we doing here? I was waiting for today Well, Justin, to don't
3: come in the studio. Go find a way. Yeah. Go, go <laughs> find a I remote or call somebody. I don't care what you got to do. you got to do something. You have one hour to, to, to change Al Sharpton or this idiot, John Berman on CNN, and uh, let's see if Kelly Ripper is a woman of her word. Now, look, I, I think she would do it. I, I do think her publicist is going to see my book and see a very nice chapter about Donald Trump, a Bill O'Reilly take on the back of the book, and be like, are you nuts? You can't hold this book up. And I think that'll be the end of that. But I do think her heart is in the right place, Kelly. But either way, we have to see it. And I have to watch Joe Biden for the 100th time. So f- figure it out, Justin. I, my, I have confidence in
12: you. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, what do you? Yeah. Figure
3: it out. You're the producer. I, I get it. I get,
12: out. I, get, I get that. But like the, the no, no no no. I don't want to hear. Figure huh? it out. Uh, uh, Nine uh.
3: o'clock. <laughs> yeah. One of those TVs on channel seven. I'm just telling you, right. I, 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 I don't you know. Right you're, right gonna, you're gonna yeah, figure it I, out. I, I'm gonna yeah, may, yeah. maybe get out. Get out and start to figure it out. Go. Go ahead. Go to work. Just exactly. Sitting and here ain't gonna get anything done?
5: Exactly. Right. How you I can did. come
3: back in thirty minutes and do your sports <laughs> okay. update. I got you on the air every well, day, so it's still not gonna be on the television. Go figure it out. Don't tell me what's not gonna be. You're I'm the just, producer. All right, I'm just trying to brace you I, I, for the I, I reality don't, don't of pre- the situation. Yeah, see, that, that's where I've been over this with you a million times. Your job is to do whatever I say and make me happy. <laughs> I know, but there's certain things then, that don't, just aren't are possible. Oh, then, then come to me at ten o'clock and say I did all I could. Don't come to me at eight o eight and tell me it's not possible. You've got fifty-two minutes to make it happen. Go do your job. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> get out. God. It's the same it's the same talk over and over again. Whether it's Justin or the audience, same talk. I don't care what guests you like and don't like to the audience. And and Justin, find a way to get it done. Could
5: you imagine if you or Bernie would have said to Imus, Ain't gonna happen. How would that have gone? You know, it 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 very quickly became for me is Yep. Yep. Well. That's it. All right, exactly. And it then was, he demolished you for, like, the whole day when you were on your way home. you got to figure it out. you got to figure it out. Can you just do it? But for, the other thing was he would half explain what he wanted, and you had to figure out the other half. That's true. I want... Can you, can you take uh, uh, the, the second part of what he yeah, said, drag it on to this song, That's and true, then, bro. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then he would say, you know what I'm saying. But I
3: think I explained myself pretty well here.
5: Well, you just want the TV on. TV I want TV. one of these channels,
3: specifically <laughs> CNN, which nobody wants to watch, for one hour, one hour on Channel 7, then you could put the Communist Network back on the air.
5: <laughs> it was just exactly That's how it. I imagined this morning going. Yeah. And when 9 o'clock comes Monday, yeah. and yeah. those channels... Channels can't change. I'm going to be furious. He's going to blow his stack. I mean, what are we doing? It doesn't make sense. Uh, does it, it doesn't
3: make any sense no, at all. absolutely no. not.
5: These are the channels you will watch. No, what does that mean? What are we doing?
3: Moscow? <laughs> Deb Valentine did the update, this, uh, the other uh, news uh, a little while ago. She talked about this ridiculous crime summit. She talked about uh, Kathy Hochul and Eric Adams... Figuring out plans to make the subway safer. Another video showing a man pushed onto New York City subway tracks. It doesn't end. It's not perception. It's real. So on Saturday, Mayor Adams had this crime summit, and he invited all these judges and DAs, all losers and waste of time, all of them, all of them. I mean, you couldn't find a bigger group of waste than this uh, group on Saturday, led by the mayor Eric Adams, and uh, they talked, I guess, about technology. And they talked about different ways to combat crime. And they talked about mental health issues. How when somebody who's mentally ill commits a crime, you're asking a lot for these folks to get to court. I swear to God, these were the discussions. So if you missed all of that, you're lucky. But uh, here's the bad news. I'm going to play it for you now. This is a pretty good job by Channel 7, ABC. I forget who the reporter is, this lovely lady. But she breaks it down for you on Saturday night, the Mayor Adams Crime Summit at uh, Gracie Mansion. So if you missed it, here's a quick summary. It's about 80 seconds long of what Eric Adams did on Saturday to combat crime in this city.
6: Wrapping up a two-day summit here at Gracie Mansion. Today, Mayor Adams calling the gathering, quote, productive.
7: Unbottlenecking the criminal justice system is what both of us, uh, or both sides, I should say, and all that were in the room, a uh, uh, desire.
6: About 75 people, including district attorneys, law enforcement, judges, and community advocates. The mayor calls the current criminal justice system antiquated. Topping the list of major failures, he says the handling of those with mental health issues who face a judge.
7: they are being let go from the court and told come back for another court appearance with no real support.
6: The mayor acknowledges justice and safety are linked right now. Overall major crime here in the city is is up roughly 31%, a 34% increase in robberies, 15% spike in felony assaults, and 31% jump in burglaries. On the flip side, shootings are down roughly 13%, murders, 15 percent, except in the subway. To address that, officials just rolled out a plan to add more officers to trains and stations. But the mayor hopes ideas from this summit will turn things around. Another concept on the table, using technology to streamline the judicial process.
7: We can't pinpoint that something's going to be done in a month, something's going to be done in a week, but one thing's for sure. Uh, I am confident that something is going to be done.
6: The mayor tells me this larger group (laughs) has now split into smaller units and that there will be a part two to this summit.
3: Wow. All right, part two coming, and uh, it is what it is, folks. New York City has been rocked by the surge in crime, subway violence. That's why Lee Zeldin is going to beat Kathy Hochul. That debate is coming your way tomorrow night. He is going to win. That's why Mayor Eric Adams is losing popularity by the day. That's a fact. Ray Kelly former police commissioner, father of Greg Kelly, who does an adequate job on this station two hours a day. He was on my main man, John Katsimatidis. What? What are you laughing
5: at? Uh, just uh, something I remember from uh, okay. last week. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know why we're laughing? No, I don't know. Are you right. got to, kidding? <laughs> Quiet. You laugh, I it's laugh. fine.
3: Just change the channel. That's all. Then I'll be happy. I,
5: that's what we're discussing in right. here like how insane, <laughs> why they can't change. It's
3: oh, baffling no. to me. So, Ray was on the Cats Round Table. John does uh, two great shows. He really does Cats at Night, 5 p.m. every weekday. And then the Cats Round Table, Sunday mornings at 8. He's got some big guests on, big guests. Andrew Cuomo, Ray Kelly. I mean, he's on fire. And uh, Kelly was on with Katz talking about Eric Adams. Now, there's no love lost there because all of the effective policies that Ray Kelly employed, Woody Giuliani, of course, the man behind all of it, all those effective policies which made New York City safer have been deemed racist by Eric Adams. He wants to go back to the David Dinkins days, which, by the way, were complete hell in this city. That's how you know right away. I remember telling Bernie, because Bernie was still like, no, give him a chance. I go, Bernie, he wants to go back to the David Dinkins days. Are you nuts? Bernie's like, you know what? You're kind of right about that one, yeah. So uh, Kelly is on with uh, Katz, and he starts with the subway issue because Adams and Hochul, that one too meant a to punch, coming up with a plan to fix the subways. This is uh, Ray Kelly number eight, and I would advise both Adams and Hochul to take a listen to this.
8: Transit police, to my judgment, it has to be, uh, the Transit Police Bureau has to be looked at, re-examined, because when they were a separate police department, they had 4,400 police officers. Now, in the Transit Bureau, there's about 2,500. That's a major reduction. Uh, I, I would use some sort of outside entity to come in and take a look at the Transit Police See. What their Manning level should be? See what posts should be covered. I think they need a, a fresh look at the transit system because we know the subways are the lifeblood of New York. People are still not going to get on them. You know, every day you read about a crime, and that just reinforces the notion that uh, it's too dangerous to travel on the subway.
3: He's so good. Man, I miss guys like that. I mean, I like Keyshawn Sewell. She's fine. Uh, she's MIA for months. I mean, have any, has anybody heard the police commissioner, Keyshawn Sewell, do something, say something? What? If I, I mean, could change the channel,
5: I could find oh, it. Oh, that's a
3: good you, point. I yeah, have got to change the channel. Lisa Ganji said she'll watch it and tape it for us if uh, what comes first we miss it. But uh, anyway, Kelly went on to talk about two particular policies which worked great with Giuliani, for Kelly. You remember when the city was safe? You remember. Two specific policies that Eric Adams may just want to consider bringing back. Lewis, this is Ray Kelly. Kelly, I should say, cut number seven.
8: We were the safest big city in America just a few years ago. So this is not brain surgery. You go back and look at the things we were doing then, and you re-implement them. But uh, apparently, the mayor doesn't want to doesn't want to do this. Doesn't want to put back in anti-crime units. Doesn't want to uh, use the stop and frisk in a natural, normal way.
3: So it gets worse because now. Cops are leaving. We want more cops on the subways. We want more cops on the street, even though the cops don't matter because they make arrests. And because of these, you know, these crooked and uh, idiotic judges and our system between cashless bail, they're back on the streets in 15 minutes. So these cops make arrests and it doesn't mean anything. But we still need more on the streets. And what's going on is more are leaving. 4,000 more cops were set to leave. A lot of cops have left before their pension even kicks in. They've worked their whole careers, put themselves in, in danger every single day, in harm's way every single day, in an effort to make sure they're taken care of when they get older. And they're leaving now before it even kicks in. They don't care. Get me the hell out of here. I don't care. So this is old, a couple of months old. But what's not old is that 4,000 cops are set to leave right now. Now, when this first came up a couple of months ago, here was Mayor Eric Adams' idiotic response.
7: New York City Police Department is an amazing career. You know, I know it firsthand. And we're going to find young men and women who are going to want to be a member of the New York City Finest. We got an amazing recruitment campaign coming in. This is a great opportunity to diversify the department. So, no, people will always want to join the New York City Police Department. It's one of the best careers you could have in the city. I mean, please. Leslie
3: Slender checks in. She goes, I'm in a taxi, and at a traffic light, I can hear your voice in the car next to me. They've got their windows open. Whoever that is, thank you very much. Okay. Thank you, Leslie. Smart people.
5: <laughs> tell us how Kelly looks later.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we need that. It's a good idea, Louie. You're right. Whoever's in that car listening next to Leslie Slender's cab, give us a call at 930 and tell us if Kelly <laughs> <laughs> you can't make it up. <laughs> Lydia Reports is coming up next. And then from the E Street Band, The Sopranos, Lilyhammer, and more major superstar, major, little Stevie, Stevie Van Zandt, stopping by at 840. This is the Monday edition of Bernie and Sid, and it's only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. <laughs>
1: This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report.
16: Stocks coming off Friday's big rally that sent the Dow Jones Industrials up nearly 750 points. Investors reacting to news that the Fed may slow the pace of rate hikes in December. This is a big week of technology earnings. Microsoft reports its fiscal first quarter. Tomorrow, economists targeting a modest increase in revenue. The steady decline in PC sales, however, could affect Microsoft's outlook. Apple earnings come Thursday. Wall Street targeting a 6% revenue increase the full year forecast less clear for apple because of rising economic concerns economists are forecasting higher third quarter profits from amazon still investors are concerned over slowing e-commerce numbers consumers are spending but they seem to be spending less online amazon's second prime day event missed sales targets please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 wabc this is the lou dobbs financial report
1: keep listening for more To 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. This is Lydia Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani.
0: Here we go again, Sid. Four subway murders in just 17 days. A 14 year old girl was stabbed over the weekend. A guy, 32 years old, he was shoved. Off the platform, onto the train tracks out of nowhere. I put that video up on my Twitter at Lydia News, L-I-D-I-A-N-E-W-S. And you see in that video, the guy's just walking by and a guy from like the other end of the platform comes running over. Oh, it's almost like a tackle, pushes him onto the train tracks. And now all of a sudden, Hochul and Adams, they're like, oh, you mentioned it before. They're doing this crime summit, right? So... This is what they're planning on doing. They're going to direct 1,200 more officers daily to spend more time on platforms and trains. But those cops will be solely on overtime shifts. And we already know there's been a record number, like 4,000 cops that are retiring, resigning. So they're already overworked. Adams also plans on adding 50 more hospital beds for the mentally ill. But what are 50 more hospital beds going to do? So obviously this is not about our safety, this is more about political panic over poor polling, right? Because we're already seeing that Hochul and Zeldin are neck and neck. And let's not forget, I don't know if you have it, Lou, what Adam said, what really is going on when it comes to crime, that it's all simply about perception.
7: We know that public safety is not only actual, but it's perceived. And when you have an incident like this, the perception is what we're fighting against. This is a safe system because of the job that the transit officers have carried out and what this chief has done in this system.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I know what he's trying to say. There's millions and millions of people that travel the subway every day, and you have a couple of these events a week. So to a certain extent, you know, perception maybe. But what he has to understand is that perception is keeping people from coming back into the city from going to work here, from eating here, from spending money here. It's ruining this city after COVID. So in this case, perception is worse than reality. So instead of saying perception time and time again, what he needs to say is, I'm upset that New Yorkers are fearful and I'm going to change it. Stop making it sound like people are are, are crazy. You need to change it, whether it's perception or reality, because the city is dying and that's on you.
0: There's another video that you see, it's a black guy, and he's attacking this older guy, and he's stabbing yeah. him in the stomach, and yeah. I put that up on my Twitter every day. Wait, wait,
3: wait, wait. it wasn't a white supremacist? Really?
0: Right, no white supremacist. Every single day, I'm getting these videos of people getting shoved, and I saw this other video of a girl on TikTok, she just got randomly punched in the face. How many incidents go unreported? and you know when you're down in the subway you're kind of almost like a rat in a cage right you you don't like you're stuck there you're stuck there's no way out if you're on if you're on the subway car and if there's a maniac going up and down like enough of this enough back in the day, like when the subway first came to fruition, it was like a beautiful kind of almost elegant experience. And now people are living down there. They're shooting up and Hochul is adamant that she, by the way, on one twenty fifth street in Harlem, people are shooting up in the middle of the day in, in their groin, in their, you know, private areas. I, I have
3: to tell you how many times when I lived on the Upper West side, On the last two Thanksgivings, in fact, we went, me, Danielle, Ava, and Gabe, to 125th in Harlem to have dinner at the Red Rooster. We love that area of Harlem. We were there quite a bit, actually, over the last four years before we moved to Queens. And we saw it. We saw it getting worse and worse and worse. So I'm not sure what Kathy Hochul and Eric Adams are looking at. But I will tell you this, that debate tomorrow night, Lee Zeldin, oh, man, he's got all the leverage in the world.
0: He's got all the leverage in the world, and I hate the way New York 1 has been framing it. Zeldin finally agrees to a debate, and you see it's finally Hochul agreeing to a debate. Correct. But Hochul says, oh, you shouldn't 1. criminalize. They've got,
3: they've got that racist Daryl Lewis doing that debate tomorrow night, that racist.
0: Oh, my God. He's walk, I know poorly he's walking into the lines then, but he can handle it. But the bottom line is what people are shooting up, they're like, oh, you don't want to criminalize them. And then even the mother of the subway victim, he says he he's now traumatized. He broke his collarbone. He was seriously injured. Everybody's like, "Oh, thank God, there wasn't a train." This guy who broke his face, he broke his collarbone. These are some serious injuries. He's completely traumatized. His mother says he wants to kill himself. But the bottom line is, the mentally ill and the drug addicts sometimes, them being incarcerated is the best thing to happen to them because it forces them to get treatment. Allowing people to slowly commit suicide, to slowly decay on the streets is not what we are about. We are in New York, right? This is the greatest city in the world. Let's take it back and get these people the help they need. And if it has to be by force, then so be it because I can guarantee you the mother if we found the mother of these drug addicts the found the mother of the mentally ill they would say please please take my baby into treatment do whatever you can we're asking these people hey do you want help and they're out of their minds and you're asking people that are out of their minds to make a rational decision that they're incapable of making so sometimes yes you have to force them into treatment and and God willing they'll pick the right treatment you know they'll, they'll say I'd rather I'd rather yeah. go into treatment than go to jail Right. but we got to take this city back and I, I support Lee Zeldin. And somebody asked me, they're like, Oh, are you working for his campaign? I said, no, I'm a New Yorker. I'm tired of seeing my city go down the tubes. And right now Lee is our only help. He's going to, you know, declare a crime crisis, suspend this cashless bill. And by the way, Remember that girl I told you about, a friend of mine, and she said, I'm not voting for Lee Zeldin. He wants to legislate my private parts. Mm -hmm. He wants to overturn abortion. Mm -hmm. I said to her, have you seen what he said recently? Blah, 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 blah. blah." She said, yes, I did. Oh, my God. Yeah, Yeah, he's not going to touch abortion. And guess what? Lee Zeldin now has my vote. So that is, I think that's been a turning point for him. He
3: said it on this show Friday because I asked him flat out about two things that Hochul says in a most recent commercial about him, A, overturning abortion. He said, no, I'm not going to do it. And B, him signing something to overturn the Trump laws. He didn't do that either. So, whole commercial with a bunch of lies.
0: All all lies. And even if he wanted to do it, he couldn't do it. So vote, vote, vote. John Katzmatini's 5 o'clock. You'll hear me alongside him. We're going to have Bill O'Reilly tonight. We're going to have a great show talking about all the issues that matter to you. 5 o'clock, John Katzmatini. In the
4: morning.
1: On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
3: Little Stevie. I take a quick story about Little Stevie, Stevie Van Zandt. This guy's like a major superstar. Like, you have to understand, my favorite act my whole life has been Bruce Springsteen. I don't care about his politics. Bruce is uh, the greatest of all time. The E Street Band, the greatest of all time. He's my favorite. And here's Little Stevie. Like, he's the man. He's Bruce's right hand. guy. no disrespect to Clemens or Loppern or the rest of those guys. He's the man. Maybe the greatest guitarist of all time. Then he goes on to the Sopranos. Silvio Dante, and as great as J- Jimmy Gandolfini was, God rest his soul, Van Zant was every bit as good as that. Then he goes on to this show, Lilyhammer, on Netflix, where it's on record. People have said, that is the greatest acting performance ever, ever. This guy's like a huge star. And I go down to Florida for the last ever episode of The Sopranos, and they all showed up at the Hard Rock Hotel thanks to Jimmy Allen. They're all there. Gandolfini, Sharipa. Imperioli, Van Zant, and here's Stevie, this major star, rock and roll actor. I show up the next day at his cabana with Bernie Kosar, the former quarterback, and he invites me in. And for 20 years, this guy takes my phone calls, comes on my show whenever I want, got a chance to talk to Bernie all these years. This guy's like a major superstar, but that's the type of guy Steven Van Zant is, it doesn't matter. He never forgot where he came from and who he is. And all he really is is a little rock and roll guy at heart who's just immensely talented and has become a major superstar. He was on with me and Bernie quite a bit. He loved Bernie as well. Here he is making his return to the Bernie and Sid show, the great, and I mean great, little Stevie, Steven Van Zandt. Good morning, Steve.
17: Good morning, Sid. Good morning.
3: Nice to have you uh, back on. All those things I said, I meant. I mean, there was no reason for you to talk to me at that cabana 20 years ago, but that's just the type of guy you are, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) It was love at first sight. What can I tell you, Steve? (laughs) i tell you, the night before. People still don't believe that was the case, that Jimmy Allen convinced all of you guys to go down to Hollywood, Florida, to sit there and watch the show with all of us and then sign autographs afterwards. And we all know how Jimmy felt about that last episode, at least initially. So the post show party wasn't exactly a blast, but what a couple of days we had, huh, Steve?
17: Yeah, it was amazing. Uh thousands of people showed up. Thousands. I mean it was like a we had we had to walk from the you know, from the hotel part into the casino part and, and there had to be there had to be three, four, five thousand people lined up on that on that walkway. I mean, it was amazing. I, I told the other the other actors, I said, you know, Ever you wondering what it felt like to be a rock
3: star, this is it. This is it, right. <laughs> so, you know, it's you funny. Know. It's funny. Uh, the other day I had Steve Scharippa on, and I said, you know, when I lost Bernie a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Wednesday, of course, is his big service at St. Patrick's Cathedral, and hopefully 5,000 people are going to show up. But when I lost Bernie, I said, Stevie, imagine how you guys felt about Jimmy Gandolfini or even Tony Sirico. You loved him. You worked together all those years. I was with yeah. Bernie on and off for 23 years so you can imagine yeah. Steve I felt two weeks ago.
17: No, no, no. Before we go any further, Sid, let me just offer my deepest and sincerest uh, condolences to you and, and, and family and friends. Cause, uh, you know, he meant the world to, to a lot of people. Uh, I mean, you two together were just uh, the greatest and, uh, you know, it's one of them things that was shocking, you know, I, I, you know, I, it was a, a shocking to a lot of us. And, uh, you know, he's just one of a kind. He's one of a kind, and 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 you guys together were uh, you were like Martin and
3: Lewis. You know, <laughs> I, I like that. And you know what's <laughs> what was great about you and Bernie is is that in a lot of political areas, which we do politics, right? You're a, you're an actor. You do rock and roll. We do politics, In a lot of areas, man, you and Bernie could not feel any more differently uh, on a lot of these topics. And it didn't matter. He loved you. He loved who you were, what you stood for. Just imagine, Stevie, if everybody was able to get along despite their political beliefs. I know it's ridiculous. Yeah. And even I'm guilty. I'm guilty myself. I get mad at my sister. I stop talking to her. But you and Bernie were a classic example of two guys, complete opposite well, sides of the political spectrum, who got along great.
17: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm always looking for the common ground. And, and I think Bernie was the same way. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, you can go through life carrying a burden on your on your shoulders and being an enemy, you know, of people and, and uh, having that kind of anger and hatred and carrying that around if you want to. If you, if you want that to be part of your identity, you know, that's up to you. But I'm not that way, you know. And I know Bernie wasn't that way. I know you're not that way. No. You know we're looking for the common ground. You know, I mean, I'm uh you know, I'm I'm not I don't hide my politics. I'm a, I'm a law and order liberal independent. Okay, I always have been. You know, and and uh, everybody knows. You know, I I uh, I believe in 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 quality of life. I believe in the rule of law, and I believe in you know. I give the biggest fundraisers for police every year. Yep. You know. But, uh, yes, I'm a liberal. I believe in helping people who, uh, who need a little help, you know, Give, giving them a leg up a little bit, you know. And, uh, you know, I believe in women's rights, and I believe in all of the equality, you know, and all of the things that I think our country stands for. But, you know, we're going to have differences here and there. But, uh, you know, I don't see any point in focusing on them, you know, dwelling on them. Uh, you know, we are who we are, but let's find the common ground. We, yeah. we can, yeah. And if you're, especially, especially if you're in, new, in music. I mean, music is really the great, the great common ground. You know, the arts, the arts are the great common ground for the entire world. So that's what, you know, that's what I do for a living. So right. trying, you know, try and stay on, the, stay on that common ground if we can. You know?
3: Right, music and sports. I know the police, in fact, talking about you being so pro-police, they, they uh, gave you a great honor not that long ago, a huge honor, Stephen Van Zandt. I tell you, for example, I had Kelly Ripper on the show on Friday. If I would have brought Hitler on... I would have had less hate mail. I swear to God. These people are crazy on both sides. They're insane. And you just want to get somewhere. I don't like a lot of the stuff going on in our city, in our country. I yell and scream about it every day. I can't stand our political leaders. But you just, you got to figure out a way to take a breath once in a while. For me, when you guys go into rehearsal in December, and you and Bruce and the band hit the road in January, I can't wait. I can't wait. Well, what is that? uh, Is that it, Stevie? Is that the last tour? Well, you never know, you know. I
17: mean, these days especially, you really never know. You know, we're getting to that point in life where uh, we're lucky, man. We're, 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 we're very lucky. We have, we've, we've already changed the concept of chronological time at this point. I mean, you know, I know like 10 guys in their 80s who are playing on stage today. I mean, when I grew up, I didn't know anybody over the sixties. I right. mean, the people in the sixties, you, people in senior citizens homes, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you know, uh, nobody's grandparents made it past the sixties, you know, uh, 65, 66, that was old. I know 10 people personally in their eighties who are on stage performing. Wow. You know, so, I mean, you know, on, on the one hand, we have really changed the concept of, of what is, what is old, <laughs> but, uh, I think rock and roll kept us keeping us young, you know. I mean, um I'm training like I'm training for the Olympics. I mean I'm you know, <laughs> no. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be in in the best shape of my of my life but come, come february. You are right?
3: you've already lost a ton of weight, a ton. You look like a million bucks, Stevie. You you may actually in all seriousness look the best now you've ever looked, and that's never too late, Stevie, so congratulations. Yeah, no,
17: thank you. I I, I you know, I really had to do it you know and, and uh and and look you know like i said we we you know the idea of you're trying you're, you're going to bring joy to people around the world and uh, give them a little like you said a little bit of a break cuz man you know we're just drowning we're drowning in uh, we're drowning in depressing news and and yes. and, and depressing politics yep. all day 24/7 you know i just uh, i've been sick over this whole Ukraine thing, I you know, watching watching a country get destroyed like like it's a reality show every day. I mean, it made me sick physically, you know?
3: Yeah. Oh, no, it, it is gross. Uh, and by the way, uh, it is worth noting, talking about Ukraine and foreign nations and some of your politics, TV. and maybe I'm going to give you too much credit here, but I always do. I always tell, I always tell people, you know who got Nelson Mandela out of jail? Steven Van Zandt. <laughs> <laughs> well,
17: we certainly did have something to do with it, I tell you. You know? We got lucky. I mean, you know, we couldn't do it now. I tell you that we couldn't do it now. So we got we got lucky, you know, and in the. in those uh, Reagan years, when everybody was in a good mood, you know, we, we kind of stuck one in there.
4: <laughs> you know? That's a big deal. They, they I mean,
17: never, you they never saw us coming. Yeah, Stevie, that, that, us. that's
3: a big deal. With all the great musical hits, with Springsteen and the Soprano success and Lilyhammer's success, I would have to say getting Nelson Mandela out of prison, maybe at the very top, no, or right there.
17: Yeah, yeah. Well, that was it. We 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 toppled the government. You know, you don't you don't get to topple a bad government every every day. You know, <laughs> and. uh that was a that was a big one. It was. We uh, we, uh, we figured out how to do that, you know, by by strengthening the economic boycott at the time. And to do that, we you know we yeah. we uh, we of course uh, engaged the cultural boycott. But uh, we knew we knew if if the banks cut them off, they're going to have to let Mandela out of jail. At least we hope so, you know. Uh, it was one of the thrills of my life, seeing him walk amazing. out Amazing. Yeah. Amazing.
3: I want to ask you about the dynamic of the band. Uh, you know, I'm now faced with the reality of moving forward without Bernard. i worked a lot without Bernard this year anyway, to be completely honest. I don't want somebody else in here every day. I think management may feel differently. I don't know. But I think we should just go on the way we are, maybe throw in a guy every now and then, but leave it the way it is. You can't do that. So if Clarence Clemens passes away, you need a saxophonist. If Danny passes away, you need a piano player. So what's it like over the years, Stevie? It's you and Bruce. I mean, you, Bruce, and Nils. I get it, but uh, having other people on stage with the band—is that a difficult transition?
17: It was, it was. It was at the time. I mean, you know, losing Danny uh, was, was big, uh, but but losing Clarence, you know, who's you know one of one of us, the three of us up front. You know, it's Bruce with, with Clarence on his right, me on his left. That's you know the front line. Yeah, is. Uh, was big, you know, and and, and uh, we believe me. We had uh, we talked for months. Uh, what should we do, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time, we just got lucky because just um, so happens is his nephew uh, plays saxophone, and we thought, you know, this is the, this is the, this is the perfect solution because um, it was hard to you know we didn't want to have we, you're not you know you're not you're not going to re- replace Clarence Clement, You can't replace him. No. So we thought whoever whoever's in that spot. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be judged, you know, quite quite harshly. You know, it's gonna be a tough transition, but luckily, you know, if if it's his own blood, you know, his own nephew, right? Um, that you know, that was the perfect solution, and and um, and and we even, you know, we at the same time we we took out a horn section, uh, really uh, for one of the few times we've done that, um, and we you know we said we don't want to, we don't want to put all the pressure on on, on Jake. Let's let's uh you know we'll let Eddie Mannion take some of the solos Jake will take some of the solos and and uh and you know and and then we'll have him come back coming back and forth out of the horn section so it's not like you know under under this spotlight it's right. incredible spotlight. Right. and uh, and Jake he, uh, he rose to the occasion he did an amazing job and, and 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 the people and the people loved him, you know so uh, we were able to make that transition but uh, it was it was a tricky moment man you're like you know uh, are we going to be the same band you know yeah uh, should we change the name? <laughs> oh, my <laughs> I mean, God. It, it right. Was, you know, because huh? you know, right. uh, it, was, it was that big. It, it was especially that
3: big especially yeah. when you play 10th Avenue Freeze Out. I mean, my God, what do you do there? Uh, with about that's two it. minutes to go, Stevie, I do want to give you credit for something else. i have already given you credit for a million things, but that's you. You've had an amazing life. You really have. And your book last year was great, too. But I love what you did. This was a discussion you and I had with Bernie Kosar 20 years ago. At the time, you were just kind of conjuring it. Now it's a reality. You've actually got curriculum in schools across the country teaching kids about rock and roll. That, by the way, maybe as big as Nelson Mandela getting out of jail. That may be your greatest mark that you're leaving. What a great job there, Stevie. Yeah, thank you. Yeah,
17: I'm very proud of that. And uh, I think it will live beyond me, you know, that. And, and I think my radio formats and uh, a few things will live beyond me. Uh, uh, but that that, you know... I, I just felt it was extremely important to get the arts into the very DNA of our education system, you know, because they were canceling all the arts classes, and um, and I don't consider art a luxury. You know, I think art is an essential part of our lives, is an essential part of the quality of our lives, so we decided let's do a music history curriculum which is easy to uh, sneak in. You know, you can you can you can put it into any any you know cross curricular. You, you can do it in, in music class. You can do it in English class, social studies. You know, you can you can do it in a lot of different places. And that was our that was our that was our, our mission. You know, to to make sure that the arts stay in the DNA uh, of our education system. And we we got over sixty thousand teachers now teaching our, our curriculum. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, we got we got all kinds. We got a dozens of partner schools. Entire schools have adopted it. The uh, state of Connecticut has adopted it, so um, you know it's nothing to do with politics. Obviously, it's, it's just music history, and, uh, and 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 what happens is it just it, it makes kids relax, you know, because kids when they're young, you know, they're not so crazy about the precision required for science and technology and math, you know. So we uh, if you integrate the arts into those into those into those disciplines, suddenly kids relax, you yeah. know, because in, in the arts there's no long answers. You know, we ask you, who's your favorite artist? Whoever they name, that's the right answer. And we say, okay, let's trace them back, you know? And they'll say uh, Beyonce, and we say, well, she comes from a woman named Aretha Franklin, okay? And Aretha Franklin comes from Detroit. We talked about Detroit, and we talked about the gospel church, where she comes from, and, you know, and the kids are, are, are paying attention because it's on their turf. You know, it's a place where they can relax because, you know, it's something they understand. Rather than dragging these kids to our old methodology, it doesn't work anymore. These kids are smarter than us. They're yeah. faster than us. You know True. what I mean? We need. Yeah. A, they, we need a, they need a reason to be there in class. So I call it teaching in the present tense. Give them something they can use right now, and they and they'll stay with you. They'll hang in with you. You know, it it's working.
3: It is working. There was a great movie. It's a wonderful life. That's uh, yours. And the beauty is, Stevie, you're still writing it again about the hit tour with Springsteen and the guys. Coming up uh, in January, your uh, stations on SiriusXM continue to do great. I played your song Soul Fire there for you. Uh, you got so many great things going on. You're losing weight. You look great. You sound great. You met Joe Parisi. That's a big deal. Look at you, Steve. <laughs> You're the king of New York. You're the king right now. The king. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man.
4: All right, uh, Steve.
17: Always, always good to always good be with and, uh, you. And, again, my deepest condolences. I mean, we will you know. We'll always, we'll always, he'll always have a place in our hearts. You
3: know that. I there know that. Thank you. No. He, 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 Somewhere he's up in heaven listening to that, and he's smiling big. as man, did he love you like I do. Hey, Stevie Van Zandt, that's an excellent appearance. Thank you so much. You got it, my friend. You got it. That's my man right there, little Stevie. Man, is he great or what? Little Stevie, Steven Van Zandt. Fourth and final hour. Will Kelly rip or hold up the book? What is Eric Adams and Kathy going to do about our city and state? And Donald Trump has a message from Mike Pence. All that and more. Keep it right here. I, right
1: I want to rock. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
2: Sid, I'm going to buy your I'm going to buy your book, and Monday I'm going to hold it up on the air.
3: You swear? I swear. If you do that, Kelly Ripper. You are going to make at least 50 New Yorkers very happy.
2: (laughs) I know I'm doing it because I'll tell you what. I know how hard it is to sell a book.
3: Well, I got to tell you, folks, if you put on Channel 7 right now, Kelly and Ryan Seacrest started their show about six minutes ago. The newsroom is abuzz. Deb Valentine, Norm Leighton, Justin Ellick staring at one of the televisions because... She hasn't held it up yet, but right in front of Kelly on the desk where they've got an American flag and all their work right in front of Kelly is, in fact, a copy of my book, <laughs> Citizens United. Now, she's not going to bring that book out, put it in front of her on her desk if she's not going to hold it up at some point. But if you're watching right now, Channel 7, Kelly Ripper and Ryan Seacrest, my book is sitting Right in front of Kelly Ripper. I am shocked. How about you, Lou?
5: <laughs> you just should have seen your face when you realized it was on oh, the Oh, my phone
3: started blowing up. I mean, I started getting text messages with, with, with pictures. Oh, my God, there's your book right in front of her. I know some of you are like, I'm not a big fan. Who cares? Uh, folks, yeah, when you're trying to sell a book, it is hard. It is hard. I've been on Kill Me shows and Mark Levine and all these other folks. Uh, Kelly Ripper holds up that book. It's a whole new ball game. Whole new ball game. Millions of people watch this show every morning. Whether you like her, like her politics, it doesn't matter. Much like Stephen Van Zandt, she's a major superstar. Major. And the book is right there. Right in front of her. I'm looking at it right now. And uh, Ryan moved some papers moments ago and nearly threw my book off the table. Then I go kick his ass right at me. But there it is. She's got all these notes in front of her, an American flag in front of her, and my book. Uh Uh-oh. I don't know if you've heard, but I've got a book out. I'm reading it now. So, something tells me I did a radio
5: book tour. Here we go, Lewis oh my God, somebody record. it was
3: interesting back to back radio stations, and they tell you what city you 're on next, what city, and who you 're talking to i 'm reading this off the TV. I knew so many people just from years of doing this. It was like old home Week. This is Kelly Ripper talking you got the book right in front of her. We ran behind if one person rans behind it 's a ripple effect. We're running behind. I had to push a doctor's appointment back. It was my hormone doctor, so anything can happen. Hey, now. I spoke to a radio broadcaster here in New York, Sid Rosenberg, (laughs) who I'd never spoken to. He used to work in the same building, and I said, how it is possible we've never bumped into each other. When I looked at all my children, that's where the broadcast center is. Now, we have never spoken to each other before, ever. Anyway, he, too, has written a book, and he was giving my book such props. And I said, I'm going to give you your book. I'll give you a plug on my show. You're the only one. Ryan Seacrest goes, this is like a radio show on TV. Kelly says, I've not read his book yet because I just got it this morning. It's on Amazon. Oh. I went, and there it is. She's on then They
4: got the zoom in. They're in. Oh, my Look at this. <laughs> look at it! Look at it! <laughs>
9: oh no! Don't open it! Don't, don't open, open it! Don't look, don't open it. Don't look don't inside! It. Don't, don't, don't read it! Don't read it! Don't it. Oh, no! Kelly,
12: whip up! No. no! And now, and now we're gonna read. Now we're gonna read an excerpt from chapter. <laughs> yeah. There's a passage on Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. 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 Now we're gonna take an excerpt from the, Oh, this chapter looks to be called "The Donald." <laughs> <We're> gonna... <laughs> Wow, Kelly. She's still going on about it.
3: It's his life story with sports (laughs) and wellness. She's still talking about it and
5: fitness. Look at Ryan's face. Ryan looks ecstatic uh, about this. Miserable. He's got no He looks like he's about to vomit. going on?
9: Ryan looks so disappointed. <laughs> I will
4: uh, yeah, let yeah, you yeah. know if
3: they read it. When, he, when are you going through a radio to him and these shows? Wow, how about that? Kelly Ripper not only put the book up, but literally just did like three minutes on this. Yeah, she gave you a good Sid chunk Rosenberg of time. And she's still talking
1: about the book. Ryan might fight her. He might punch her in the face. He does not look very happy, does no. he? Look at his, his body language. He's got his knee up. He's, like, he's looking at her like a disappointed father. Yeah, Unbelievable. Yeah, it fills the body language. That extra.
5: was just... <laughs> That's in <laughs> Sid's book, actually. Chapter yeah. yeah. yeah, 9, yeah.
3: right after the Donald. Listen, wow. anybody says one nasty thing about Kelly Ripley, you're dead to <laughs> me. So you
6: right? That's all you got to uh-huh.
3: do. That's all you got to do. I mean, make, good on, make good on the trade-off there. This lady is a mega superstar. She had no... You know, no reason to put my dopey book up in front of these millions of people on ABC, mention my name, and even summarize the book, and she just did it. And I don't know what else to say
12: other than, wow, that's that's huge. Well, you should probably thank our receptionist Sarah. Friday, yeah. I gave her the book, yeah, and, and she Sarah ran, went it, over and there, she ran yeah. it over there. So. Yeah,
1: over there. Wow. I can't believe she did, honestly. I thought I I she would lie to you. <laughs> I know. Like, well, every I, person does yeah. in, like, show business. like, oh, yeah, I'll promote it. Oh, yeah, I'll put it up. And they just never see you again. They don't have yeah. to worry about it. I'm honestly shocked she did that.
5: Wow. She, you're in debt to her, man. Forever. For a, for a blow. Oh, yeah. I've never met this guy, Sid Rosenberg,
3: but she was, like, like so happy to, I mean, if you watch the show, and I'm only reading what I'm seeing at the bottom of the screen, but I'm watching her reactions, and she was, like, like really,
12: like, like, I think she loves me. Yeah, she said your name like three times before <laughs> I walked in here and uh, gave a shout-out to WABC. And Unbelievable. She, she even called you famous. Unbelievable. She's crazy. a very genuine person yeah. she did that. That's, that's you know, very uh, telling of her. Yeah, she said famous radio uh, host in New yeah. York. And, here, and how here. can
3: we never bump into each other, which is how our conversation started here on Friday, if you remember. So there it is. She has come through here. <laughs>
5: just seeing it on it's the still desk. still there. It's still on the desk. You
3: can still see it. <laughs>
5: it's just, it. just Sid, Sid Rosenberg's book.
12: <laughs> to oh. Thank God Luke, I was able to get it on the television, man. That yeah, Nice job by you, Justin. Great
3: work by Luke, me. Luke, did
1: you ever well, imagine? You did. I did the TV thing. <laughs> Justin will not take credit for that. Luke, when well, I walked oh into... T- <laughs> I don't care. That's what I take credit for. You okay. have your book on on oh, national right, TV. All
5: right, all right. I changed down. the channel. All right? Okay. This is my big for God. me. Oh, my Great. goodness. All right. This when is Matt, big for when me. When Matt Jeez. hears that, you can tell him he can fire. Now we know how
3: to upset Phil. Great. So, Luke, when I walked into WFAN 23 years ago... And uh, ended up on IMus. Did you ever think you'd be <laughs> seeing the day where I'd write some dopey book and Kelly Ripa? It's on the table. <laughs> it's still on the table. She's touching it the whole time. And talk about me in the book in the first segment of her show, which millions of people watch.
5: One the uh, one of uh, the a guy that I picked up off one of the Lower East Street uh, East Side streets yeah. after we were drinking. Exactly and now right. Your book is on. Good, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
12: Live with Kelly and Rev. Uh, that is unbelievable. Right. We'll, have the full, uh, we'll have the full thing tomorrow when they get this up on the Internet, right. which they will.
3: I know Danielle just recorded it, too, so we may have it quicker. In fact, we'll, uh, let's grunt the break here. one eight hundred eight four eight. 848 Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Phil. Lou, And uh, the whole newsroom, they went nuts when she picked the book up. <laughs> Noam and, and uh, Deb and everybody. one eight hundred eight we will get back. To the news of the day and all that good stuff thank you to Kelly Ripper and Ryan Seacrest on live on Channel 7 we'll be back right after this
9: every day, every day.
14: And you are listening to Bernie and
1: Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
3: said congratulations i'm really proud of you i love you it's a big deal and uh kelly ripper's career is officially over (laughs) noam tells you they went to the producer at one point because she just got the book this morning i guess kelly they ordered on amazon but she mentioned on the show at least what i read in the um in the words that the producer had already read some of it and so she went to the producer some lady, some, uh, I don't know, who, it's not Gelman. Some lady. Oh, it
5: wasn't Gelman, okay. She looked,
3: and she's like, Yeah, you read some of the book, right? And the lady looked miserable. <laughs> miserable. I mean, if you haven't read the book, I do a number on Joy Behar, a number on Whoopi Goldberg, <laughs> and they all work at Channel 7, and they're all on right after Kelly on The View. And I'm sure Kelly is at the very least friendly with all of them. And when I say I do a number, it is vicious. So, plus Donald Trump is the best president ever. I love Bill O'Reilly. I hate Hollywood. And here's this beautiful lady who's had this amazing success. And she literally just threw her whole career right down the toilet.
5: Oh, now there's going to be oh, a my protest yeah. outside yeah. the ABC <laughs> no, building. No, no doubt. Kelly, Kelly Ripper, you uh, fraud.
3: There's a whole chapter in the book about how much I can't stand BLM. Not, that I don't think black lives matter. I think every life matters. All lives matter. Black lives, white lives. I mean, BLM's a joke. They're a terrorist Marxist organization that stole millions of dollars, put their folks in mansions in California. There's a whole chapter on that. And I guarantee you there's Black Lives Matter signs all over the place in that that studio, like my uh, YMCA in Rockaway. (laughs) This poor lady made a promise on this show and and kept it. And I hope it doesn't hurt her. It won't hurt her. Well, kidding aside, right?
5: Oh, it's going to be... Kelly Ripa's enormous. It's fine. Right, it's
3: fine. It's fine. No one's going to remember that, right?
5: Like, everybody's got to relax.
3: Yeah. Seacrest is oh, like a little bitch, too. He looked a little upset, didn't he? He didn't look happy, either, Ryan Seacrest, there.
5: Yeah. yeah.
3: I mean, Kelly was, like, so bubbly and happy, like, and I met this guy, Sid, and he was great, and he gave my book props, and I'm giving him props, and I love him, and he's great. Right, Ryan?
5: Oh, uh, haven't read the book. Well, this is not life from <laughs> Times Square <laughs> yeah. <or> New Year's <laughs> <laughs> Rocket Eve. This is... Uh, 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 yeah. uh, uh, well... Uh, it's a big deal, though. so serious.
3: Everybody loved the Stephen Van Zandt interview, too. Thank you for that. The book is still sitting in front of her, just, uh, just so you know. Just
5: in case you missed.
3: Yeah, it's still there. But there's a, there's a white piece of paper that I put inside the book where I said, listen, I love you. You were great. Thank you. If you could really do this, that would be great. No pressure.
5: She should read the
3: The note, I know. So now she's got the note on top of the book. I I don't know.
5: (laughs) That'll that'll cushion all the other things that are inside the book. (laughs) (laughs) I know.
3: (laughs) So now I'm getting, like, Facebook messages and Instagram messages from everywhere. Like, I'm not kidding you. Everywhere. From people who don't even know me. They're like, hey, wait a second. Is that you?
5: (laughs) Yeah. Is that you just now on Kelly and... uh... So it was. And the next thing will be book sales.
4: Well, let's hope so.
3: If this doesn't sell books, I don't know what will. I mean, you know, again, I, I, I've got on Brian Kilmeade shows and Fox and Friends and countless Newsmax shows and Bill O'Reilly show and Mark Levin show. And I'm not going to lie to you, I'm not selling millions of books. I'm not. I'm not. So maybe the liberals can help me out. I really don't care. I'm trying to sell books. I don't care. She's She's got 5 million viewers or something like that every day. So Too bad Oprah's not still on. No, well, she's next. Call Oprah. Get her on the damn show. <laughs> Anybody out there who's got something to promote, put them on, because no one does a better interview than me except for Stern. That's it. Stern one, Sid two.
5: Thank God we got the channels up. Oh, my God.
3: Oh, I would have been so mad if I missed it.
5: You would have been throwing things and stuff. Providing play-by-play
3: play during it was exciting for the for the real fans of ours out there, and I tell you right now, Bernie up there in heaven, he loved every second of that. He loved it. Bernie wrote a forward for the book, which is so beautiful. I actually read um, some of the forward at uh, in my eulogy at the funeral, and. Um, him and John Casmatitis, both were really beautiful forwards. But Bernie was so happy for me and so excited to write the forward. And somebody tells me he's looking down from heaven right now, and he's, like, really happy. So
1: it's kind of cool.
3: Yeah, Wednesday's the big uh, celebration for Bernard, and um, it's going to be at St. Patrick's Cathedral from 10 to 1130. Everybody's invited. Uh, I know Steve Summers is coming, but there'll be thousands of people there. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah, he's coming with John Cerrillo. Maybe 5,000, 6,000 people. I don't know. It's going to be a, a madhouse
5: because everybody loves Bernie, of course. And um, It's going to be like getting into a club.
3: Basically. That's why, it
5: literally is.
3: Well, I'm going to bring Peter King on at 840, and when Peter is done about 855, I'm getting out of here because uh, I want to get to the chapel closer to 930 before they start really... Uh, coming in at 10. I think uh, Andrew Giuliani will sit in with me for like an hour. and We'll go together and maybe Corey and a few others. But anyway, on a serious note, uh, Wednesday is going to be a a special day. And and as I said a couple of times over the last couple of weeks, there's going to come a time when you have to move on. Now, when I say move on, um, I don't mean what I feel inside. I mean, I I still miss Bernie. I love Bernie. That's never going to change. I think John is going to name these studios, the Bernie and Sid Studios, so I'll have the opportunity every day to start this show live from the Bernie and Sid Studios, so Bernie will be mentioned every day. But, you know, it's going to come a time where it's going to be over. There's not going to be Bernie commercials and Bernie bits, and, and I will try to include those like I've done the last three weeks. I mean, don't forget, folks, we had a tribute day at this station Wednesday, that'll be two weeks old. And if you listen to this show every day, I have not stopped memorializing Bernard. Even moments ago, Stephen Van that was for Bernie. Miranda Devine, that was for Bernie. Steve Schripp Friday, that was for Bernie. Rudy Giuliani, all these guests. And I say the same thing to all of them. If it's your first time on the show since Bernie passed, that's what I want from you. So I didn't just do that one day. I haven't stopped, and I won't stop a year from now, two years from now. But it's going to be a lot less more infrequent. They've even changed one of the, um, the fan pages, one of these uh, Facebook websites that Keith Smolin runs, was the Bernie and Sid fan page. And he started that page a week before, I believe, I even got to New York in 2016. And he changed the name of it. I had nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. Like I hate that page and I hate the people in there. Nothing to do with it. I'm the one who keeps saying, keep it, keep it, keep it. And all these people posted in that page, oh, we know where this came from. That's all Sid ever wanted was his own show. I mean, horrible people, just the lowest form of scum that God ever created. If you really think that, well, even God can't help you. There's a special place for you in hell. That's all I can say. That's all I can I know how I feel in my heart, and anybody close to me and Bernard knows how I feel. But the truth is, in that spirit, yes, we're going to move on at some point. Try. It's not going to be the Bernie and Sid show much longer. It's just not. I mean, God bless my partner. He wasn't on the air two months before he died. He was going through all that hell, but he did for basically a year. I mean, a lot of you folks are going through this now for two or three weeks since Bernie passed away. I've been doing this every day for almost a year. Every day, how's Bernie? How's Bernie? How's Bernie? How's Bernie? How's Bernie? And every time somebody asked me, I wanted to cry. And I knew, I knew how bad it was at the end when everybody else was going, nah, he's going to make it. He's a tough guy. So we stop. Look how tough you are. Cancer will kill you. You can fight wars. You can, you can win battles. Bernie was as tough as it came. He wasn't going to win this one. And I knew it. And I kept telling my guys here, yeah, you guys didn't hear it, but I kept saying early in the morning, he's not doing good. He ain't coming back. I'm afraid he's going to die. How many times I said it to you, Lewis? How many times?
5: Uh, it was it
3: was quite frequently. And they, they were still and... sending emails to him. Bernie mm. may be back next week. I go, what are you talking
5: about? It's not coming back. And I told you the truth. I I I realized it. I started to accept it. Yeah. When I, when I when you told me you were talking with them, and I said, no, you can't. This is way too much for even Bernie, as tough as he is. No, this is for anybody. way too much. No one would have survived that. Nobody. And then people don't realize just the amount of pain he was in. Oh, they de- don't know. I don't right. think they. Re- and they probably have a guess, but no, they don't you know. know, when you are trying to do this, and he just kept on going.
3: Kept going. He and kept he'd be going. moaning during the breaks. Yeah, We'd hear it was, him. We'd hear him.
5: Yeah. yeah. I heard him. Terrible. And I, you know, I was trying to. What can you do to try to help him? That's it. Yeah. But, you know, it's just way too much for him. He, he dealt with way too much. No, he,
3: he, he got a really bad hand. He, yeah. I mean, very few people deserve that. Good people never deserve that. And he went through hell for a year.
5: And didn't deserve it.
3: No. And then in turn, not to ever put myself in the same situation, he's gone, God rest his soul, and I'm still here. But it was very difficult for me, and people wanted to know what's going on. If I didn't tell them enough, then I was insensitive, and it was just brutal. And I, I, I didn't want to call them every day. I didn't want to call Carol every day because nobody wants that. When you're sick, I got to tell you, when I'm sick, I don't want anybody calling me. My mother, my dad, who I miss desperately, he would call me like that. Stop calling. I'm fine. Even though I wasn't. You don't want that. So we'd talk occasionally, and I'd say, hey, see you in a couple of weeks. So I'll talk to you Monday. You sound fine. And this went on for 11 months, not three weeks. All you people were broken up, and all am I going to do? Shut up. A lot of you people really made me sick during this period. i got to be honest with you. Most of you, the overwhelming majority, were beautiful. And hopefully you'll show up at this thing on Wednesday. But some of you are the lowest form of life God ever created. Okay. I'm gonna And you're going to be there Wednesday, too, some of you morons. Right. So
5: I'm going to channel Bernie for a second, like, and just go, all right, all right. I know. Easy. I know. Calm it, down. Easy. I know. Go easy. Go easy. think
3: I'd be in a good mood. Kelly Ripper just showed my book. But <laughs> yeah,
5: you well, these fly people, all over when I got to read
3: that, this, you know, Sid doesn't really care. Sid's all about the money. What are you talking about?
5: All right. Well, they don't know. So well, I have to read that stuff. All right. I got you. But just don't read it then.
3: Don't right, read
5: anyway. it, they don't... Well,
3: he shut the website down for a week. You're he put right. it on pause, and then he changed, first he changed the name, which, again, has people... Oh, sit. And then he put it on pause, so...
5: Anyway. I mean, if you couldn't listen to every single... It's like polling a bunch of people out on the street. They, some don't know what's it's going worse. on. It's okay, worse. Maybe. Because now
3: you're dealing with a, a a friend of mine forever, like a brother, that close, and saying such horrible things. I mean, God... I could never, ever, ever bring myself to something like that. Whether I like the guy on radio, don't like the guy on radio. I mean, first of all, what kind of loser spends his time every day or her time? It's mostly women on that page. Every day, every day. Get a life. Go out there. Do something. Go, go, go. Pick some pumpkins or spend some time with your kids if they still like you. Or your grandkids. Maybe have sex once in a while. Go on there every single day. I miss Bernie. I hate Sid. Are you kidding me? Shut up Phil.
5: <laughs> just, well, Phil is just yeah, not saying anything, but I know he wants to say something so.
1: But if- just tune him out. You can't. I feel like you're giving them power by, by even getting. Angry I know at I am, it. but I don't
3: care. Fine. Okay, I'm Fine. sorry.
1: No, no, don't be sorry. You're right. You're, you're, what you're saying is right. I've I just
3: tried
5: I just, that. Phil I can't many help many myself. Times. It is what it is. He's right. not gonna stop. You, you, I need, can't like, help.
1: you need like you need a cleansing from all that social media stuff for like a week, just so you can get away from him, feel how good it is More to like not have week. to deal. No, give it like a week's time. I honestly quit social media for the most part for like a week, and you'll see how nice it is when you don't
15: have to deal with that stuff every I'm day. I'm gonna
3: put up a picture right now of Kelly Ripa holding up my book, which which if you're a Bernie and sit band, you should be so happy. And I got to read, I can't stand her, Bernie, never Bernie, I made the decisions, not Bernie. I made the decisions about this show. I'm going to give her the inside baseball. I did. And Bernie never argued.
5: Never. So we know people are crazy. That's why yeah. Phil is probably right. Just get away from it. We're about the, Remember the days before the internet and before these guys like yeah. Phil or just, they don't even remember there was no internet. I know,
3: but just, it, it, it doesn't <laughs> seem right that I'm taking advice from Phil.
5: What? <laughs> well, it's I'm wise sometimes, it's even though he's sense. right. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Traffic and sports are coming up next. Thank
5: God, Phil directed <laughs> me in the right direction. Thank God
3: for Phil. I had Bernie <laughs> here for that stuff. Bernie would always talk me off the ledge. He was great at that. Even if he agreed, or he was just as angry, you never knew. He was great. He'd be like Sid.
5: Just calm down. Right. I, I, could right. hear him already saying like, oh, uh, "Easy, right? Easy before you start going off the rail, yeah, off the cliff." Because you are, once you start moving, it goes from 60 to 180 miles an hour really quick.
3: Well, I got news for you. That's why some people love me on the air. They're that's just to so okay. tell you. Yeah, that's, why lo- that's why
5: I love you, too. I, lo- I love getting on an out-of-control train. Switch seats. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, well, even Eric Adams and hopeful kid messed this one up for me today. This was, was a, I'm good to go. You know what I'm saying, Louie? So you should be
5: in a spectacular mood. Well,
3: <laughs> but I don't that's know.
5: that's
3: not the case. I mean, I should be, but I go back and forth. I fluctuate, you know how I do. I'm in a yeah. great mood one second, and then something reminds me about how horrible things are, or people are, and then I get in a bad mood. and I just kind of go back and forth, you know.
5: Mm. I've noticed. Wow, <laughs> I've seen. Yeah. And sometimes I've noticed.
3: Trump puts me in a good mood. I will say that. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. He was on um, Kill Me Show on Friday, Donald Trump. He comes on right after us Byron Kill He's great. Every weekday at 10 o'clock. And Trump uh, comes on and he's saying, hey, listen, Pence and the rest of you people, the people that worked closely with him alongside him when he was president, if they have any designs on running against him, In 2020, because Trump is running. It's it's no longer if it's when he's going to announce it. He's going to run. So um, any of these folks like Pence who are thinking about running against him may want to think twice after this comment by Donald Trump on Brian Kilmeade's show on WABC. Louis, this is cut number 12.
9: Mr. President, when will you decide if you're going to run in 2024, and how would you handle running against people in your cabinet like Pompeo, Nikki Haley, Mike Pence? Well, many
10: of them have said they would never run if I run, so we'll see whether or not that turns out to be true. I think it would be very disloyal if they did, but that's okay too. And the polls have me leading by 40, 50 points. I'm leading by a lot. Right. Uh, The other thing is I'll probably decide in the not-too-distant future we have to make this country great again. We had it great. We had energy independence we were respected all over the world we had low taxes everything that's happened we had no inflation right. as you know we had we had this thing going like nobody's like our country has never been before
9: but we when, had a when would you border. decide if you're going to run border in history when would you going to decide if Ryan, you want to try that again
10: we had the strongest border in history uh, we had all of the things. It was so beautiful. And now look at our country. Our country is a failed country. We're gotcha. we're, we're really a nation in decline. And that's a well, very sad thing.
3: Yeah, he wasn't going to answer the part about when, but he's going to run. And all the things he said about the country, exactly right. Then he went on to this uh, big rally in Texas on Saturday. And he got the folks really fired up there talking about the end of Nancy Pelosi's career. Really got him fired up. So let's go back to the great state of Texas. From Saturday, Trump on Pelosi-Lewis. This is cut number 13.
9: You're going to vote for an incredible slate of true America first Republicans up and down the ballot, and we're going to end crazy Nancy Pelosi. And she's nuts. She's crazy. We're going to end her political career. Her political career is going to be ended once and for all under Biden, Pelosi, Schumer, and the radical Democrat Congress. The Texas way of life is under siege. Biden and the far-left lunatics are waging war on Texas energy workers. Can you believe this? They're against oil, God, and guns. And then they say they're going to do well in Texas. I don't think so.
3: Oil, God, and guns. And they say they're going to do well in Texas. I don't think so. So that was uh, Donald Trump this weekend. And then you had Joe Biden. Oh, the guy... Well, he's not going to run against Joe Biden. Biden's not going to run. Biden's going to be 82 years old, and he's not going to make it. I'm telling you, folks, they're going to remove this guy from office. He's done. He did an interview with MSNBC over the weekend, and he fell
5: asleep.
1: He was fast asleep.
4: Biden's sleeping. What
1: do you got for me?
5: Justin said we haven't played this cut really yet today. Have we? Yeah. Okay. Don't wake, up, don't, wake, don't, wake, lose it. don't wake him up.
11: Okay, I have not made that formal decision, but it's my intention, my intention to run again, and we have time to make that decision.
5: Uh, Dr. Biden is for he's it. Sleep right now. Hello, he's asleep. Mr. President.
11: Oh, <laughs> Dr. Oh. Biden thinks that uh, my wife thinks that. Uh, oh my God. That I uh, wake up. That that we're that we're doing something very important.
3: He was asleep. I'm not kidding you. He was. He, he actually was fast asleep. Oh, no. You can't make this up.
5: Oh, no. no, no, no. It's true. Oh, oh, fast oh, asleep. Oh, he's there. Yeah. He's there.
3: Out like a light. You got to see the video. MSNBC. <laughs> you're not going to believe it. You're not. You're just not going to believe it.
4: That's too great. It's
3: one thing when Mike Brancessa and Sweeney <laughs> Murray do it on WFAN radio. This is the president on MSNBC. So. Oh my God. Yes, and then. Then you go, wait a second, this guy's falling asleep, during a lie. Trump's in Texas with thousands of people getting him fired up. This guy fell asleep. So you got to wonder, is this guy okay? So given the opportunity, President Biden.
5: Uh, It's Putin on the phone, Mr. President.
3: (laughs) (laughs) To alleviate your concerns and make you feel like, hey, it's okay. I'm good. I'm good to go. I'm strong. I'm healthy. I feel great. Given that opportunity, that's not the way it went. (laughs) <laughs> this is uh, Biden 4 on, on the president's health and what the future looks like.
11: I, I think it's a legitimate thing to be concerned about anyone's age, including mine. I think that's totally legitimate. But I think the best way to make the judgment is to, uh, to you know, watch me. You know, am <laughs> I swollen me. up and I don't have the same pace as her? No, you don't. You know, uh, and that old joke, you know, uh, um, what, everybody what talks about the... You know, the new 70s, 50s, and all that what? stuff. You know, I, you know, it could be, I, I'm a great respecter of fate. I could get a disease tomorrow. I could, you know, drop dead tomorrow.
3: I could get disease tomorrow. I can drop dead tomorrow, but of course, oh, he's sleeping again. Oh.
1: isn't sleeping. It's nap time.
3: Maybe she'll make him a nice bowl of Froot Loops. Watch me. And then he can watch <laughs> Kelly and Brian and see Kelly promote Sidney's book,
1: Mr. President. What's that,
3: Jack?
11: Watch me. No, there's about 16 there I've already gone in for yet and a lot more to ask. Another 20 or so.
4: So I'm going to be going in. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, the Democrats. Two weeks from tomorrow, folks, it could be all over. You can fix this mess. Not him. That's, of course, in 2024 when they trot out Pete Buttigieg or Kamala Harris or Gavin Newsom, any one of these losers. But at least in these gubernatorial races and Senate races and Assembly races, you can fix a lot of wrongs coming up two weeks from tomorrow. Put the party affiliation aside. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I guarantee you, I've had two liberals on the last two days, two great ones at that, great ones. Stephen Van Zandt, earlier this morning, that was a tremendous conversation. And Kelly Rip on Friday. They want the same thing you want. Kelly wants to. She lives on the Upper East Side, Kelly. She do not want to get bashed over the head or raped by some maniac in the middle of the night walking back to her apartment. She doesn't want that. And I think Democrats are going to do the right thing. I really
5: do. She could hit them with your book now.
3: Right. She could have that as a weapon. <laughs> as a... Somebody sent me pictures, though, of the producer's face and Ryan Seacrest's face. <laughs> They are so angry at her, they're and mortified. she's just smiling and bubbling, and Sid Rosenberg this, and Sid Rosenberg that, and they're like, Kelly.
4: <laughs> Seriously,
3: you're better off talking about Hitler.
5: You're, just, you're better off. And the trains ran on time, and it <laughs> was just great, and they had nice designs in the art class. It was, uh, get this book. Well,
3: that's my girl, Cal. 1-800-848-WABC. We're going to wrap things up. Folks, don't forget to RSVP if you're coming Wednesday to pay your respects to Bernard St. Patrick's Cathedral. That's 10 to 11.30 on Wednesday morning. We'll come back and wrap up. It's been a great show. I mean, really, right? Miranda Divine, Rich Lowry, Stephen Van Sant, and that great moment on Channel 7 with Kelly Ripper. All that on this just one show, just a Monday show. We'll come back and wrap it up.
15: right after this.
10: Bernard McGurk Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long and
1: Sid YouTube Sid Rosenberg not good great Bernie and Sid in the morning I love you guys I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off on the Red Apple Podcast Network
3: Super Tramp Oh logical wrapping things up on a great Monday show I want to thank all of our guests today once again Miranda Devine, Rich Lowry, Little Stevie, Stephen Van Zandt. And certainly a huge thanks goes out to Kelly Ripper for this uh, final hour. Holding up my book, Citizens United, which you can buy today on Amazon. And uh, that, was a, uh, that was funny. <laughs> Go back and listen to the tape. This huge scream from everybody in the newsroom and on the, here in the studio when she actually did hold up the book. It was in front of her for the first five minutes of the show then she actually held it up and left the book there. As far as I can know, we, we changed the channel eventually. We
5: needed a tape on you. <laughs> I, know.
3: Over the I was excited. I'm not going to lie. I was excited. It was great stuff. Well, Lou, always a Hall of Fame job this morning. You're amazing. Macedonia, Phil, Justin, Ellick, great work. Uh, certainly, Deb Valentine is always tremendous. Noam, Jacqueline, the whole crew. We're all back again tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Have yourselves a safe Monday here in New York City. From all of us to all of you until tomorrow, it X Good night, Bernard.